What's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face episode 157 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. Uh, we're here on a Friday night. Hope you guys have had a great week. Hope you're going to have a great weekend. You're ready to kick up your feet and relax a little bit. We only we have to wait a couple more hours to do that, but uh, mm. we're here to deliver some great a great show for you guys this week. Several big games have been released. Actually, a couple of them just came out today. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt and I have been playing them, and we're going to discuss those with you guys. Uh, some housekeeping stuff. The, first of all, I want to talk about our Patreon. Uh, slowly, over the last weeks, we've been transforming our Patreon. It's pretty much done at this point. Uh, we have all our new goals set up in there. We have all our new tiers set up in there. All that stuff doesn't turn over until March 1st. So right now, if you look at like our new tiers, some of them say like zero patrons. But obviously, when the month turns over, those of you who are pledging at certain levels will automatically get slotted into those new tiers. So go check it out. Patreon.com slash sifted. A uh, couple little things left. We're still uh, getting ready to put up the brand new welcome video. A couple small touches to get done before the end of the month. But none of that stuff matters until March 1st. Uh, so get, go give it a look. Uh, let us know your feedback in the comments. A lot of the changes that we made, a lot of the decisions we made uh, were forged in the Sifted Summit. So you guys had a lot of input on what we're doing going forward. But anyway, hope you guys are happy with that. Uh, some more housekeeping. So. We've been hitting a string of birthdays. Last week was my birthday. Yesterday was Matt's birthday. Happy birthday, Matt Kyle. Hooray. And next week is Sam's birthday. So we hit them all like mm -hmm. right in a row. So unfortunately, we're not going to have, we're probably. And Pactor's birthday was the week before yours. Right, actually. and Pactor's was before mine. Yeah, sifted, bang, 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 yeah. right right in a row. Uh, so we may not have a show next week. Sam, unfortunately, Matt is leaving at the end of the week next week to go on a trip and to have some fun. Sam is doing his birthday stuff at the beginning of the week. So there's maybe a chance we could slide in like a special episode of Game Face. It probably wouldn't be streamed live. It would probably yeah. be something we pre-recorded. It would probably just be us talking about Crackdown. <laughs> yeah. But in all honesty, it might be good for me to have a week to start getting a lot of the things that our new Patreon is going to bring into motion. Um, because we're going to be start producing stuff we haven't produced before. And it might be a good idea to just kind of get into the groove of doing that stuff. Uh, by now, you guys have already seen that uh, the Big Six is back in rotation. Uh, that's great. Tokyo's been, been cutting those again. Uh, so things are shifting. Things are getting in motion for kind of the new era of Sifted. And I hope you guys are excited for that. So with that, let's get into the show. we got several big games we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about the Nintendo Direct as well, which was gigantic. Uh, we're going to kick things off with Metro Exodus. This game actually came out a little bit before the other ones that we're going to talk about. Hmm? Or wait, does it come out today, Metro? Yeah. Oh, so the review All three get... of them came out today. Okay, so the review embargo just hit a lot earlier yeah. for Metro than it did for the others. Um, Which is I have... odd. It is like... odd, yeah. Um, I have not played a lick of Metro, other than what I've experienced at trade shows. Matt, you've been playing it, but... Uh, I mean, I've played it for a couple hours, but I'm really more like an hour into it because it keeps crashing on me. Yeah. On the Xbox One X, I keep having like hard lock, like freeze, like start the game over thing. And since there's so much, early on, the first hour of the game is very railroaded. No pun intended because there's trains involved. But like <laughs> it's um, like it, it's running you through sort of the story setup, and you don't have a lot of choice in what's happening. And all, part of that is you don't have quick save available to you, you're just checkpointing as you go. And so, because you have no control over that, there's like, when it would freeze, it'd be like, well, the last checkpoint was like 10 minutes ago, and now I gotta do all this stealthy stuff again. And like, you know, 
It's, um, which is fun, but it's just it was time-consuming, and it only went live at, like, 9 last night, and I also kept defaulting back to Crackdown periodically. But crashing. Wow. Like, Crackdown is not... Um, what? <laughs> Crackdown's not a festival of great gameplay or game decisions, but, like, I was just more in the mood for it than a slow, creeping, oh, high-in-the-dark, okay. you know, survival shooter. It was just, you know... It, uh, but, like, you know... Um, so I'm like, I think I'm right at the point where it kicks you out into the open world. Um... Like I've been playing it, uh, you know, today since you got here, and nothing crashed. If the first time I I played it, it I didn't have to reboot of me. anything. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for once. <laughs> and um, so it's so it's like so I don't really have a lot of insight into the actual meat of the game because I haven't gotten to it yet. All I can say is like it plays very much like the other metros. It's a it's a slow, methodical sh- survival shooter. Um, it takes a page out of uh, uh, Thief, where you've got a little thing on your wrist that tells you whether you're in the light or not. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so like you, you look at the wrist of your... Because the character is always, always holding the gun up like this, and so you can see the little wrist cuff thing. And the wrist cuff thing has the, time, the countdown timer for your, um, your uh, uh, breath mask, because you have to wear, you have to wear a, a mask when you're above ground because things are radioactive. And there's a little timer countdown, and then you have to, once it runs out, it'll warn you, and you have to replace it with a, a new filter, which has been a staple of the series since the beginning. Um, and there's a little light thing on it, and if you're in the light, it glows white, and if you're not, it gets dark. So that is how you know whether you can be... And if you're in the dark, at least so far, uh, guys can't see you even if they're looking right at you, like 10 feet away. Like, you are invisible, basically. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and I like it, it got easier once I realized that. I'm like, okay, so like, if, as long as I'm in a shadow, no one can see me, basically, uh, unless they walk right into me. So the creatures can't smell you. Uh, there have been no creatures yet. Oh. Early on, the first, very first part of the game, there's creatures in the little subway tunnels you're in, trying to get back to back to your home. But um, I have not had any kind of like freedom of movement stuff with monsters yet. Uh, this. Uh, this looks to me like the uh, the very beginning. Yeah, the B-roll that we were running is from the very beginning of the game. Yeah, yeah. so this is like, this kicks you into it. Like, yeah, so we're not spoiling much, folks. This is literally like, the we're going to show you the first 30 or 40 minutes yeah, of it. You get kicked into this immediately, and then you get, uh, you get hurt, and they drag you back into the metro, and your father-in-law yells at you for uh, going out. Because, uh, um, uh, you keep going out. It's just, you're playing the same guy as the other two games whose name is some Russian thing I can never remember. Artoli Ar- Ar- or something? Ar- I don't think I've ever learned how to pronounce it correctly. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, Artioli Ar- Ar- or something like that. Art. We'll call him Art. Um, but he uh, he believes that there is... Because the, the premise... is very Resident Evil 2-ish, though. You have this yeah, monster well... following you through the sewers. Yeah, well, it's, they're all, it's all a horde of them. Like It's just, it's just all these rat creatures. Uh, this is not what you come out to, really, though. Uh, in the in the actual game, what you come out, what you, what you do is you co- you go through another door, and that thing where its its head comes out and you stab it, but then like you get attacked by more, and a bunch of guys have to save you. Oh, okay. Um, and they drag you in, and your father-in-law yells at you because he keeps going up, and uh, he's trying to find other settlements or radio signals or signs of other human life, because because one of the the premise of kind of the early games in the books is like. 50,000 people survived the nuclear war 
and they're all in the metro, the Moscow, uh, the Moscow metro, like surviving. Fifty thousand people in the world, or that, that's in what Russia? they think. Okay. that's what they th- think. Okay. They think fifty thousand people survive by hiding in the metro, the underground metro in the Moscow area, and that's the world now. Um, and because early on there were signals, but they never heard anything after a while, and so they just assume they're the only survivors left. Um, uh, but your character believes that there must be more, so he keeps going up to the surface and looking for clues or listening for broadcasts or whatever. And uh, the big, you know, the, the 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 catalyzing incident here is that when you're up there with your wife, who uh, is up there to support you, but you're not you're not supposed to leave the place really because you're using resources when you go up, get irradiated, and need a blood transfusion, right? So, but you're up there, and as you're you're going back, a train goes by. Which there are no trains in in the metro world, uh, and so the, you go and try to chase it um, and uh, to find out what this is. And you get there, and you get you basically get kidnapped uh, by this like group that you, nobody knows what they are, and they they uh, they take you out. And this there's this this old woman and old this old couple who like basically oh we're from this village out out you know east of Moscow, and they're like and you're like what. Like how can and they're like oh yeah there's people ever it's like basically like you know what's going you know what's going on and they and they leave you for dead and then and kidnap your wife and you sneak back in and get everybody back and break out and steal the train uh, but in the process it turns out that there are jammers all around the perimeter of Moscow and there's radio signal and chatter coming from all over the world. Like oh, there, wow. there are pockets so of survivors everywhere. everywhere, all over the world, and Moscow didn't know. Moscow has been intentionally isolated for some reason, and sort of the central mystery of the game so far is why are they doing that? Okay. And uh, so... Why is Moscow isolating itself Yeah, and from... it sounds like there's sort of a thing where it's like there's It's people... Russia? Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, it's like, they're, like the war never ended. Just because right. nuclear war happened doesn't yeah. mean we're not still at war with everyone else, and so Moscow doesn't need anyone else and we're it's right. very russian i mean there's a, there's a scene where um you're being attacked by another train and like one of your one of your spartan buddies like goes goes, goes yeah, they're like we got we need someone to go over there and blow and with this like you know basically this this uh, time bomb and blow it up so we can get away and one of the guys is like i'll go i'll go like let me go let me go and like and then the colonel guy goes goes it goes, shut up. I am choosing the volunteers for this. And I'm like, that's, yeah. I mean, choosing the volunteers. Right. Great. <laughs> Great. Great. I, I, I enjoy that. Um, so, it's, you know, so that kind of thing. But I have not played what you would call the media. You know, the exodus is because... Um, They're leaving the subway, right? Yeah, but, but the exodus is actually because because you and your wife know about this. It turns out that some key people did know about that in your metro settlement and now because you've technically betrayed everything the penalty for that is death but they don't want to kill you so they're just going to exile you um oh okay until every the heat blows over and so basically the idea it's an exodus because you're forced out of the the metro tunnels because you discovered this thing and so now i guess the idea is like let's let's explore this world that heretofore we thought was dead and uninhabitable but apparently there's other stuff beyond the boundaries of the city that most people would never found out because it's full of giant rat monsters and flying demons <laughs> i always enjoyed the 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 kind of the bleak russianness of this series where like the idea is like the world's basically over like we can't do anything about it like everything's radioactive there's literal monsters flying around up upstairs but we're still going to run around and kill them because we're not dead yet it's just like it's like it's <laughs> 
It's just that, like, well, why should we let them, you know, why should we roll over and die when we can just, like, you know, struggle Go on? Kill. And, yeah. <laughs> struggle on and, like, scrape by and, you know, it's... It's it's like bleak but hopeful in a weird way. It's like a it's 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 like a Tolstoy novel. It it always sounded like an interesting premise until I played the games. Yeah, the games are very slow. They're and dour, dour, methodical. Yeah, uh, they are. There's a lot of survival element to it. That's actually um, what I want to ask. How intense are the survival elements? Is it like one of these things where you're constantly looking at at your inventory and your meters to make sure that you're not, not low. Well, I mean, it's like there's no meters really, except for the the, the watch or whatever. The watch about like you know how long your filter lasts. So I don't know. I've, so far, it's been you know if you get shot, uh, sometimes the mask can get a hole in it and you have to like, patch it up. There's actually a trophy for that for some reason. The first time you do it, um, and like you know you have your med kits. You have you know there's a limited amount of everything, and you're limited pretty strongly at least early on. Yeah, you can carry five of everything pretty much. Um, but like I haven't really been running out of stuff, but like I'm playing on normal difficulty. It's you know clearly you, there's two difficulties above it, or maybe three, and like it it basically warn you like every you know the one above normal is like every bullet counts. Uh. Like don't you know yeah be careful. And then there's like a I think there's a there's a difficulty called reader, which is like there's no challenge. They're like this is no challenge. Like if you don't want to play the game, basically. There's tons of ammo. Everything dies in one hit. You'll never die. Like basically, like play this reader difficulty if you want to just sort of walk through the game. Um, so they seem to have realized that there's sort of an, a, a barrier to entry in that regard. And, and, there, and, and then on the other side, there's I think a ranger hardcore, which like basically not only like you know limits everything, but takes away a lot of your HUD stuff. Like takes away a lot of your information stuff. So you basically have to play it by ear more. Literally, probably. Yeah. So it's uh, so yeah. So I haven't done anything like this with driving stuff around or seeing these, you know, these like out out in the world like this. Um, so it's it's just very very early first impressions. Um, it it feels like Metro. Um, I I'm I'm not really in the right frame of mind for it right now. It's it's a little tedious to me. No, right you do. Now. I mean, that's what I was trying to get at actually. Is yeah. that this is a franchise where you kind of have to be in the right frame of mind. It always sounds like a good idea, and then I go to play it, and I'm like, I don't want to play this right now. Yeah, like, that's that's definitely a, a way I've felt about the other the older games, um, and especially, it's hard when there's, like, you know, Crackdown is, is you know, it's not the, the game of the year candidate or anything, but it's, <laughs> it, but it's super easy to just pick up and just start blowing stuff up in, and, like, Far Cry, you know, I haven't pl actually played Far Cry yet, but, like, the temptation was there for that, too, because I knew, you, you know exactly what you're getting from Far Cry. Yep. So I knew, like, oh, I could just pick up Far Cry, watch a dumb cut scene, and then instantly be, like, you know, skinning raccoons. I could, you yep. know, let's go. <laughs> Pretty um, But I tried to stick with it, but it's really the, the crashes just were kind of, you know, I'd finally kind of get into, like, okay, I'm in the rhythm, and then it would crash, and I'd have to, re and I, I'm just like, oh, Crackdown's right there. I'm just gonna, I'll just blow a few things. <laughs> So it didn't. It certainly didn't hook me early. I like what I'm seeing. Yeah, I see in like the the footage like this, like the, it's more of an open world kind of Mad Maxy sort of thing. We'll see how that goes. But I like the main thing. I feel is like I don't feel very confident with the gunplay so far. Like you're you're just sort of running through quarters, shooting guys right now. Um, it's very limited. But like none of the guns have really felt very snappy or very like you know I, I, I aim at the guy and I'm not entirely sure I'm going to hit him every time uh, uh, like you get throwing knives which are use, useful for stealth stuff but like 
Sometimes I hit him in the chest and he dies. Sometimes I hit him in the chest and it bounces off. Like, I'm not really sure what the, what the, the you know, I feel like I have a lot to learn about the game in terms of how this works and that works. And, like, when you're trying to, like, burn through stuff so you can talk about it on the show yeah. the next day, like, the patience is just not Yeah, bad, yeah, I hear you. you. Know I mean? We deal with, I have to deal with it every week. Um, how perform? You're playing on Xbox One X, correct? Yeah. How is the performance it's fine. On, on X? I mean, other than the freezing, uh, it, it runs pretty smooth. Uh, it looks very nice. Doesn't look as good as I, I've watched a couple of videos of uh, the P, uh, PC version. Of course, it doesn't look that good. Yeah, but it looks looks solid. Like it's it's. Uh, I don't know if it looks as good as that first trailer we saw. Yeah. at E3 that year, but it looks very nice, and the, the shadows are well done, and the lighting is. Well, I mean, there's no. There's no doubt. I mean, you almost don't need the, the glowing thing on your wrist. Like, you know when you're in the light of thing and stuff like that. Um, and everything's got just this, you know, beat down, worn, rusted, you know, uh, you know, industrial look to it. And, uh, it, it, I, and the, you know, the weapons are cool because all the, the weapons are mostly like kind of improvised, cobbled together, like weird, like, you know, homemade things. And they all look really neat and sort of, you can tell like, you know what what they use to make each thing to some degree, and mm-hmm. it's like like the detail's really impressive um uh visually uh so i'm I'm happy with it visually sound wise it's a little weird the mix is strange um, no, I could tell that sitting here setting up for the show while you were playing it in yeah the uh the I voices are mixed real low uh in comparison to the sound effects, and there's no option in the menu to change that like there's a master volume and there's a music volume, but there's no voice versus sound effects volume shift like slider. sliders. Yeah. So I turned the master volume all the way up, but the the characters because they're I think they're using some sort of like you know proximity thing where like if you're a certain distance from a character, you know the characters are louder or quieter depending yeah. on whether you're close Which to them. Which makes sense. But, but like they're too quiet when they're like conversation distance away. So like you'll have like cutscenes where like. The guy talking to you is standing like six feet away from you, but you can barely hear him in the mix because that's too far for the, the game. The fall off of the sound, like, is too is too sharp. Right. Uh, and so I've been, and of course, a lot of the the dialogue is between people with thick Russian accents wearing <laughs> gas masks on trains, and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying, and I hate turning the subtitles on for right. things because I find it distracting and, and breaks. I never play with subtitles. So. Um, we are weird, apparently. In I know. Most, pe- if most you people watch use people subtitles. Who stream, they all use subtitles. Well, I understand that because people can't always watch your stream with sound on. Yeah. Or you're talking over it, and people might still want to follow the game, and so you can read the subtitles while the streamer is talking. I get that. But, like, when I'm just playing it for myself, I would never turn subtitles on. And I know that, apparently, from what I've seen on polls and stuff and Twitter threads, like, most people who play games do turn subtitles on. I am surprised on. by that. They don't watch movies with subtitles, I'm guessing. A lot of them do, but par- really? I mean, part, part of it is the people I know who watch play games with subtitles all the time but don't watch movies with subtitles, it, they specifically say it's because they don't trust the sound mix in video games. Oh, that I don't want to miss any dialogue, and sometimes you just hit that point where, like, suddenly the sound mix in the game didn't work here, and I didn't understand what was said, and I can't go back to see it again, so I missed it. My philosophy on that is, I like, yes, that happens sometimes, but there, it's very, very rare in a video game that any little individual piece of dialogue is so important that yeah. you're going to need to hear it. Or they'll also just go to the mission briefing, and it'll tell you what yes. you need to do. Um so yeah, uh, that's the my one like technical complaint beyond the crashing is like I find the sound mix to be very odd. 
Um, and the voice, you really need a way to pump the voices up because I can't hear what people are saying. Um, that may be a less a lesser concern once you get to the open world stuff and there's not as much cutscene stuff happening. But uh, it's been a problem so far, which is almost never an issue for me. You know, for me, like e even when the the mix is pretty sketchy, usually my surround sound will isolate the voices in the center channel enough that I can hear what's going on. But a couple yeah. times here, I just have no idea. So these are really initial impressions. Do you think you're going to find yourself continuing to play this when there's all these other games that you could be playing instead? Well, that's a, it's a good question. Um, I might. I feel like I will probably come back to it after I get my fill of kind of the dumb action games, like you know, yeah. like probably. Because look, Crackdown's going disturbingly quickly. Like I've only played that game for probably like three hours, and well, I, you're like halfway done then. Yeah, I'm getting there. Like, it, it's <laughs> it's a little weird how fast that's going. Yeah, we're not. We're actually not taught. Well, we are, but we're not talking about Crackdown on today's episode because Microsoft never sent it to us. After repeated attempts to get the game and getting kind of a different excuse every time, um, and then the last time I really want that Game Pass subscription out of you. Yeah, and then the last time was just like, let me check on that for you, and then nothing. nothing. Radio silence. And now that you're seeing the reviews, there aren't many reviews out there for the game. No, not too much. Uh, it was like the big three websites mm. pretty much put up their reviews at embargo, and nobody else did. So. My my take. I mean, I've only played a few hours of Crackdown, but my takeaway is like, what took seven I years? I know it's insane. Like it's just Crackdown again. I do like the look of it. It's I I, I love the the drenched neon. It's super sharp and super, you know, like the yeah. HDR is working it. It's, it looks really cool, but it's it's just Crackdown. It's just Crackdown again. It's been getting hammered. Yeah, hammered. Met it's Metro Metacritic average is like five point something. Really? Yeah. Wow. Met Metro has been getting pretty solid reviews. I've been kind of higher surprised. than I thought. Yeah. yeah, it's like a it's like an eighty one or an eighty two right now. Yeah, I'm, I I thought I might regret picking it, but I don't. Yeah, like it's, it's okay. good. Um, yeah, wow. But anyway, uh, so yeah, Metro Exodus. I'm not. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it again yeah. once I've played. Once more I get of a it. chance to play it as well. But my initial impressions are like, if the other ones didn't do it for you, this is probably not going to hook you. But if you want it, I, I do like kind of like what they're doing where the series. I mean, both the books and the which I've only read the first two, but both the books and the the games have been very folded in, sort of. We're in the tunnels, we're in the quarters, a little bit up, up top, but then we're in the, you know. And the fact that they're sort of, I mean, being familiar enough with the series, like when that train drove by, I was like, what the hell? Like, you know, like yeah. it, it was a shock. It was a shock to me as much as the characters, because I'm like, I know that world pretty well. And the fact that there's a moving train yeah, a was deal. like, what? And, yeah. like, and so, like, as the world sort of expands, like, the, the thing that I'm most being, you know, what would pull me into it at this point is going to be... Wow, what's it like out there? You know, like, like which is the, which is good because it's the same motivation as the main character. Like, yeah. when your motivation to play the game lines up with why the main character is doing what they're doing. That's when that's when that's a good these thing. things. Yeah, you know, that's when someone did something right. Yep, you know? absolutely. And so, yeah, I'm like, I'm interested to see how like you know how this sort of game and this and their take on the, and this sort of world works once you take it out of these sewers. You know, get out of the sewers, everyone in video games, get out of the sewers. Move on. Although it is again. I mean, like, that's what this game was about, though. I right. Mean, the franchise was about at first. I mean, it's called Metro. Yeah, exactly. But like, <laughs> um, 
not me. Yeah, so I'm curious. It's 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 uh, it also maybe is kind of an interesting counterpoint to like Rage Two. Yeah. Where like Rage Two and this are both sort of open world takes takes on this like kind of like broke down horrible post apocalyptic world that's been kind of running for a while. You know, there's sort of a there's an element of like. You know, you didn't know about it in Metro, but like clearly, you know, there's an organization. People are working with each other. There's a plan. You know, people have settled in places. There's mm -hmm. villages. There's, there's, you know, so you're sort of seeing this post-apocalyptic world having, you know, settled into its routine a little bit. You know, people have kind of dug out little little niches, mm -hmm. uh, and Rage Two is sort of doing a similar thing because it's been so long since the end of the world there. But Rage Two is kind of this crazy adrenaline-fueled neon you know, blastathon, yeah. where like this is like the thoughtful, or yeah, this thing. is like yeah. the, the the war and peace of uh, <laughs> open world, a post-apocalyptic 2019 shooters, if you will. Um, so uh, I just just that's just a Russian joke, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but there is sort of this self-seriousness about it in some ways that uh, that uh, might appeal to someone more if you're not into like just men in gas masks shooting like neon paint at each other. Yeah. Um, so if people sitting there right now saying, "Okay, should I buy it?" I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, the 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 if, if this is the kind of thing, I mean, it's they definitely seem to have taken it in kind of a stalker direction. Yeah, that's the vibe I get um, too. Yeah. So if, if that's the kind of thing that appeals to you, I feel like it's at least worth looking into. Um, but I haven't played enough of it to know whether somebody should spend 60 bucks on it or not. Yeah. I, I, my, my initial impressions are like oddly unstable technically because of the crashing. That, that just, doesn't, I don't I haven't know if seen, you remember this or not, but I said my concerns with this game was the poor quality of the prior games in the franchise. Mm -hmm. Now I haven't seen too many people complaining about like stuff like that. Yeah, I haven't either. Like so, hardly any of the reviews mention crashes. No, so that might just be a me thing. I don't yeah, know what that is. Which makes no sense, but um, <laughs> well, you never. I mean, you never know what causes this. It, it could be because you know I have an external USB hard drive and it's installed on that, and a certain amount of space is left, and that amount of space right. happens to be the one that triggers that this no, this right. It could be anything. It could. You, know, you never know with 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 this kind of stuff. But like. Um, so you might just get more lucky than I did, and it seems to have stopped now because I got through about an hour while you were here without anything like that happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're uh, gonna keep playing it. I'm though. gonna keep going. Uh, when we, you know, when we come back, uh, whenever we come back, I'm sure that I will have uh, more more impressions of the actual open world meat of it. Yeah. And we'll see. All um, right. It's not usually my kind of thing, but like I do like the atmosphere and the. And kind of the world of, of Metro, so I'm I'm trying to trying to go in with a more open mind, whereas normally I would be more oh, survival shooter. Yeah, I'm not a good. big fan yeah, of that no, subgenre. Yeah, it's just like here's a thing you like to do, but we're going to add a lot of tedious things that prevent you from doing it in a regular amount. You know, it's like it's like I've never played Doom and been like, you know, this is great, uh, but I sure wish every once in a while it would stop and make me tinker with my gun. Right. You know, it's just yeah, or, or, you know, it's not a thing that. Uh, it's not a thing I've ever wanted in a shooter, but like I get that there's that there's, an, there's an appeal to it. I did like the Stalker games once I modded them into Oblivion. I never really did. There, I took me like three or four tries to get into the first Stalker, but once I kind of got the rhythm and understood what I was trying to do in it, what it wanted me to do, uh, I thought it was pretty great. I mean, this game's really like Stalker now. I mean, yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of that to it. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like the spiritual success. Yeah, they even call each other Stalkers a, little, a couple right. times. I yeah. mean, I'm sure that's a you know reference. It's also based on 
you know, an outside. Yeah, thing, maybe that's a good way that we could guide people on this game until we have more fleshed out opinions. Is mm-hmm. that if you like stalker games or did not like stalker games in the past, you may want to pick this up or steer clear. Yeah, like it's it's not going to be you know a replacement for Far Cry. Yeah, you know, Far Cry is a much lighter. Absolutely, you know, yeah. It's a lighter, bouncier game. Which is weird to say, because Far Cry is pretty dark at times. Well, Far Cry, well. <laughs> Far, Far Cry thinks it's pretty edgy. That's yeah. true. But, like, Far a Cry... A lot of humor in Far Cry is unintentional, I think. Yeah, Far Cry doesn't make you, uh, you know, tinker quite yeah, as much. Yeah, Far Cry, I mean, maybe... You know, well, we'll talk about the new Far Cry here yeah. in a little bit. There are some changes and tweaks to it, yeah. so... so it's interesting, kind of the... the level, I mean, you sort of have, you have Crackdown, which is just the most shallow... Blastathon, yeah. <laughs> imaginable. You've got Far Cry, which is sort of like in this the middle. nice middle ground of like, okay, there's an open world, there's things to do, you got to do some, you know, maybe you can craft a few things, there's some stuff like that. And you got Metro, which is like, you are going to need to concentrate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll have uh, more fleshed out opinions of the game as we get to play it a little more, but we wanted to at least kind of put something in your ear before you make that big decision over the next 24 hours. I know a lot of you guys may be looking for something to play over the weekend. So a lot of the games we're talking about today are stuff that just came out today. So hopefully we can help you in some way. But next, we're going to talk about games that aren't coming out today or tomorrow, but a lot of them are coming out pretty soon. And that is the latest Nintendo Direct. Just happened about two days ago. Uh, The initial word on that was going to be Fire Emblem Three Houses. And what was oh what was the other thing there? Oh, the Metroid Prime trilogy was supposed to be right. in there, and I did not expect that. I, I kind of thought maybe after the Metroid nah. Prime Four delay, I'm like they'll throw Ninten- us a bone. Nintendo if, when some, when Nintendo has to do something that they consider bad or negative, they just don't talk about they it ignore for six it. months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we ended up getting way more than people expected. Yeah. Way more. So we did get the Fire Emblem Three Houses. We'll get to that, but. Hands down, the biggest announcement was a Switch remake of The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Mm -hmm. And I will just say that Link's Awakening is in my top two 2D Zelda games. So I'm a huge fan of it. And I know you've talked about it before, you don't like it. I like it. I just don't understand why people worship it the way they do. I thought it was fine. I, I enjoyed it when it came out. I just it was it was just shock it was a little shocking to me to get on the internet years later and find out that like it most was, people it think was, it's the best. Yeah, there's a lot of people that think it's the best. Uh, I think most people now think Link to the Past is the best. Yeah. But I would say in the when I was posting... Link to the Past is my favorite. When I was posting on a Rec Games video Nintendo, uh, consensus seemed to be that Link's Awakening was better than Link to the Past, which I always thought was literal insanity. But uh, it's a very well-regarded game. Uh, and then it got another boost of well regard when it came out on the uh, the Game Boy Color, right? Uh, with which was a very good uh, a very good. Uh, That's when I played it for the first port time. slash remake. Yeah, I, I never had an original mm-hmm. monochromatic Game Boy, so the first time I played it was the Game yeah. Boy Color version. I mean, to be fair, I knew exactly what it was in the first shot of that trailer. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, the, Awakening. Yeah, him like, on the ship. I mean, it's iconic. And uh, I will say, I wish the game looked like the cuts those. Cutscenes were a little more anime. We're a little more. I mean, the kind of the claymation like look is is it's fine. Uh, is it's, it fine? It's not my preferred. Is it fine? Thing. I don't. I'm I'm not a giant fan of it. Like this I don't is, like I don't like the art style of the in-game stuff. No, it's. I, 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 I love this. This looks great. I mentioned this on uh, on Sifted that 
I feel like Link looks like the elf that wanted to be the dentist from <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah. Uh, he's going to walk around with like his little pliers and a missing tooth. Maybe you get an abominable snowman sidekick at some point. I there's do a lot not. Of, there's a lot of cameos in this game. It yeah. Might, might. Well, that's one thing about this is that this is the first Zelda that incorporated stuff from Mario and the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah. So there's like Chain Chomps. There's Womps, I think. There's Womps. Wart is in it. Yeah. Um, the boss of Mario 2. But it make, but in the end, it makes sense because this game is a dream. Right. And Mario 2 is a dream. Yep. So it's all... All bets are off. It's all connected. <laughs> it does appear that they've... That fucking owl. <laughs> I like the owl. It does I, appear... Ocarina made me hate the owl. Really? Well, because there's that thing where right before you got to Hyrule Field and the owl talks to you and he says, like, did you understand... You, you, you get all that? And, like, you're trying to get through it so you can run out and do the thing. But, like, the default place the cursor is is on the one, the option that makes him repeat his whole speech. Oh, right. It's very... It's, it's a famous, like, point where like, you're just trying to get through it and you accidentally hit the button too many times. You keep going and you bring, it's like, oh, yeah. I'll tell you again. And it's like, oh, like, I just want to get out of the freaking woods. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... The the art style to me, I mean, I like that it, it appears to be a one-to-one rep- replication. Yes. It looks like every room's going to be the same. The bosses are going to be the same. The characters, the story, everything's going to be the same. I think that's great. But, yeah, the graphical style to me just does not... I mean, it's basically like The Legend of Zelda Let's Go. Yeah. I'm not I'm not a fan of the, the art style, but it's not going to stop me from Yeah, me either. It. I mean, I'm going to play it. It doesn't look like... Here's my problem. It doesn't look like a Nintendo game. It looks like this game is being developed out of house by someone else. Mm. I don't know if that's the case, but it looks, it does not look like a Nintendo developed game to me. Mm. Um, I don't know why. Uh, maybe there's well, just it, some subliminal thing about Nintendo's art. Sort of. It looks a little bit like, uh, it reminds me of like a mobile knockoff. Yeah. To some degree. Yeah. It could be developed in like China or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, will, I will say that I think the most significant thing about this is that it's not for the 3DS. Right. Yeah. Like, if you wanted proof that, like, they're finally embracing the Switch as their sole system, I'd say it's the fact that this is on the Switch and not 3DS. Yeah, there's no 3DS version coming at all. Even though this just this last week, Nintendo said that it's not giving up on 3DS and it's going to keep pushing games for it mm-hmm. and creating games for it. But I think what we're seeing, though, is what we talked about years ago on Game Face, which was if Nintendo could ever get to a place where it unified its development pipeline and could just have all its studios working with one pipeline, creating games with that same backbone, it could produce a lot more games. Mm. And this is what we're seeing. What struck me the most about this Direct is how many games they showed that were announced for the first time and how many of those games are coming this year? Yeah, in 2019. Most of them in the all first, of them. Most of them in the first half. Like all of them, I think. Yeah, like, like clearly we don't. They're not talking about you know Pokemon Gen Eight yeah. or Animal Crossing or yeah. Luigi's Mansion Three. You know that seems like those are latter half of the year games, and we'll, we'll hear yeah. about them at E3. But like, yeah, they they um, you know it's no secret the 2018's release schedule was pretty anemic unless you were into ports of ancient games that. 
you'd already played or like you know paying 15 bucks for a mobile game that's free to play on a phone right uh but this like you, you gotta you know even if you're not into everything like you gotta look at what they you know after the, that this direct you gotta look at that schedule and be like no that's solid the, this like, year's shaping up to be pretty amazing in all like, honesty there's something there's something worthwhile uh you know every month twice a month like you know yeah. and stuff coming out of nintendo themselves not just like yeah, you know, it's first party weird stuff. random stuff that like like oh we got a port of, you know there are still there tons are of that ports, there's that coming too yeah but like uh, there's solid Nintendo content all through and not just stuff where you're like well you have to like it because it's Nintendo it's like well no I don't want to play a cardboard piano like I'm right. sorry, you know, I don't yeah. I don't care about the Kirby game you know but yeah. but like it's it's a it's a already a better lineup I think than last year's was is it as good as the year we got a full Zelda and a full Mario game. That'll probably never mm, be. Probably not. That's but it's like, be. but you don't need to do that every year. Yeah. You, know, you, you didn't can't. even do it last year. <laughs> last year they. And had... if you did, it would start to lose its impact. Right. And last year they had record. We're going to setting... talk about a game in a little bit that I feel like is getting a little bit of. Last year they had record-setting sales even without a very strong right. lineup. So you know this. What's going to happen this year? Well, it's it's also because like you know you get you get strong line strong sales in the second year in part because you know people have discovered the system and and want to have one and then um, third year. It's kind of the point where you, you, know, you yeah. really got to have the content to drag people in that didn't instantly adopt or didn't like get interested just you know you know out of curiosity. Now you got to pull people in with like that software, and it's even it's also good because you know software sales is what this system does. Yeah, um, the attach rate on this thing is crazy. It is insane. Yeah. So um, it seems like they've recognized that and they've uh, made a concerted effort. Nintendo's made a concerted effort to make that release schedule sing a little more. And yep. uh, it looks like it's working. Yeah. Let's start running through some of this stuff because there's a lot to get to. Uh, Super Mario Maker 2. Yeah. I mean, we've been I, expecting I, this since. I mean, I almost thought this would be a launch title for the system. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that I didn't expect it. Um, I didn't expect it in this direct. And I did, definitely did not expect that it would be coming out this summer. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. What what was it? 2015, the first Super Mario Maker? No, it was later than that. Um 2016, I think. Was it? It was either end of 2015 or in 2016 somewhere, yeah. Yeah. So, a few years. But here's the thing. I'm not seeing a lot about this that really convinces me that I need to buy it after owning the first Super Mario Maker. Yeah, well, that's kind of the trick though is like those of us who do own it on the Wii U are kind of unicorns at this yeah, point. Yeah, I guess you're you right. Like, I mean, Wii U owners are unicorns. Yeah, like that, well, that's what I mean. It's like you don't need to make it, you know, something like unbelievably new because it's almost an advantage in that, uh, you know, you can just kind of assume that most people don't have the Wii U version of things. Of anything. You know, yeah. like it's, it's, and even if it is, it's like, I think I think a lot of people who did have the Wii U version of these things are going to be happy to have a version that they can carry forward onto modern hardware. Um, you know, the Wii U is uh, a complex, you know, mix of like console and gamepad. That gamepad's going to break one day. Yeah. You won't be able to replace it, at least not for a reasonable amount of money. And better to just carry this stuff forward and save them from kind of the dust heap of an abandoned system. Um, you want to slap a two on it. Fine, you know, I, 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 I really liked Mario Maker. I didn't, I didn't make a lot of stuff in Mario Maker, but I did enjoy like just playing stuff. So I'm happy to see that come in. Yeah, I, I honestly, I wasn't a big fan of Mario Maker in general. I mean, I, I fiddled around with it for a couple of days making stuff. It would took, 
even as great as the interface was, it still, to me, took way too long to make stuff. And then I felt like the filtering options for the user-created stuff weren't good enough, and because a lot of it was dependent upon users voting stuff, and most of the stuff that bubbled up to the top were stuff where you didn't didn't even play. (laughs) It was like you just take one step forward and the whole level takes takes it over. And it's cool. Like, the first couple times you see that stuff, it's really cool to see all the planning and and how precise the people had to be that made that stuff. But after that novelty wears off, I again, you know, I've talked a lot of times about how 2D side-scrolling platformers, I just don't really care about all that much anymore. But um, there are some tweaks to Super Mario Maker 2. So you can create vertical scrolling levels, which you couldn't in the first one. And then there's just a bunch of extra parts, basically. Um, just little elements that they give you to help you kind of be a little more flexible with your level designs. But as someone who was not a huge fan of the first Mario Maker, from the perspective of playing it, creating it, or playing other people's creations, I don't have a lot of excitement for this. Um, And, you know, for the sake of our audience, most of the people in our audience who are Nintendo fans did own a Wii U and have played the first Mario Maker. Um, I hear you, though. When you're talking about sales and what kind of revenue it's going to generate, we don't matter. It's the other people that make the big difference. But for our audience, the people who watch Game Face, whether on Sifted or Patreon or YouTube or wherever, we have played Super Mario Maker. And I think for that audience, this game's kind of a hard sell. I don't know about that. I, I don't think it's going to have any trouble selling. What? We just talked about that. We just said, yeah, it's yeah. going to sell. But I think to the people who already played the first Mario Maker, there's not a lot being offered here to maybe convince them to double dip. I don't really agree with that at all, frankly. Like, I, you've, you're widening the, the audience, the community, the number of people that are going to build stuff. You're adding more stuff. You're putting it on a system that's not going to die in two years. Um, I think there's plenty of appeal there for anyone who's interested in this kind of thing. If you're not already interested in Mario Maker, it's not, you know, not going to change your mind. Um, but I really enjoyed just like doing the, kind of the roulette of whatever people had made. And uh, that dried up after a while because... I just kept getting crappy stuff. It's like if I did that, it's like the levels were worse than the ones I was making. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't... I didn't really have that experience with it. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, sometimes you get just sort of the, the self-playing thing that plays like, you know, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or whatever, stupid thing like that. But generally, I, I was pretty happy with most of those things. Sometimes I'd hit levels that were too hard for And that, me. that was the other... That's um, what I was going to say. And either it was that or it was levels that were just so impossibly hard that I'd try them like once or twice and be like, okay, I'm not going to sit here for three days trying to solve your level, dude. Like, But I just, I do think it's, uh, you know, and I think, you know, obviously they put it on 3DS because I do think it's a good idea for a pick up and play kind of handheld thing. Um, but I didn't think the 3DS one was all that impressive and this looks like a much more full featured thing. So uh, it is it is, a, it is a thing that I, will def- I would like to have on my Switch. Hmm. Not, not me. <laughs> I have very little interest in this at all. I mean, I hope people end up creating stuff with the new tools. It maybe changes my mind. But I, based upon what the new tools are, I just don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is a port of Super Mario Maker. With, like, you know, we kind of accuse Smash Brothers of being a Wii U port. This is way worse. I mean, you're literally getting, like, a handful of new objects to build with in vertical scrolling. Yeah, levels. but what's the alternative? Never make another Mario Maker game? I mean, that's what they're going to be. Like, there's, no, there's only so many 
things you Well, I think the Mario alternative Maker. is you make a 3D Mario Maker game. So you can make 3D Mario games instead of 2D. And you uh, that's just... A, that's a, now you're basically asking people to sign up for full sale at that point. What do you mean full sale? That's a, that's a much more complex thing. No, it's just drag stuff. and drop, just like anything else. It's like I build ships in Kingdom Hearts 3 using a very simple interface. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah, I, I don't think the appeal is there for that in the way it is for this. Like, the 2D Mario thing is... I get that, but they've already made it, is my point. They're releasing not, the same game again. Yeah, but... but with, with something that could just be a DLC pack that you pay $10 for. Well, uh, welcome to Nintendo. Um, they don't do that. Uh, <laughs> like, because it's so good to Smash Brothers in some ways. But, Smash um, is way more of an original game than this, though. Way more. They're not even in the same league. Somewhat, but I mean, it's it's just bringing stuff content forward that was on the failed system to put it on the system that's going to live. Yeah, like, except they gave this a two. Hmm. I mean, you could call it Switch, Mario, Super Mario Maker Switch. Yeah. It, I do think it's a little odd to number the Mario Makers. Yeah, that is weird. Um, but I get because it should be just a living... Maybe that's what's going to happen now, is that it's going to be a living platform, and they're just going to have this base game and they'll keep mm -hmm. just adding DLC to it forever but I don't know it would be very hard for me to pay $60 for this game very hard in fact I would never do that never well I mean I could say that about a lot of Nintendo games but uh, I don't know like it, if it's the promise to me of the of the uh, fact that this isn't going away anytime soon that is kind of the appeal it's like you know Two years, three years from now, I could still turn this on and there will still be new, new levels to play and new things in the community. Um, whereas with the Wii U, it was so close to the end of that system's existence that yeah. you never really got that. You know, it, I mean, it's not like people just like abandoned Mario Maker as soon as the Switch got announced. But like, um, I, I, I felt like that game never got a chance to fully kind of blossom. You know what I mean? And yeah. I feel like it will on this system. So I'm, uh, I'm more interested just because of that. It was, I guess it's more of a potential thing. Um, which again could don't get could, me wrong I know again, it's going to sell like crazy again could argue that like maybe I, don't, maybe no I don't want to pay 60 bucks at launch maybe I wait a year and buy it and then when, you know, when everything's kind of already fleshed out online and there's tons of tons levels of to choose to from and, there's no real bad time to buy this game you did make a saying. good point though the fact that there are more Switch owners than there were Wii U owners should help with the user created content mm -hmm. that's true I, I definitely agree with that so uh, next up Tetris 99, another out-of-nowhere shocker Battle Royale Tetris, online Tetris game. Yeah, which, I mean, to be fair, it was one of those things where, like, I saw, I'm like, what, Battle Royale, that's, that, that makes a lot of sense. It does. Like, it, was, it, was like, it was like a weird, like, sort of revel, like, like, I thought it was ridiculous when I, like, for a second, and then, like, my brain turned over, and I was like, no, that, that actually, yeah, that's, that's, in hindsight, really obvious. Well, we also predicted that stuff like this was going to happen. We, we've talked about on Game Face about how eventually they're going to shoehorn Battle Royale into every genre. Yep. And here we go. Have you, we've both been playing this. Yeah, I played a fair amount. Although, again, after about 10 matches, I'm like, yeah, I think I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Tetris, and then you die. It's a good thing it's free. <laughs> Yeah, free is the right thing. And I wonder if they're going to add more later because there does seem to be an option for... like The stats seem to imply that there are other modes, but there aren't. Yeah. So I, I'd imagine there's going to be more to this moving forward. Now, but. is this free only for people who paid for Nintendo Online or is it free for everybody? Uh, I would imagine it's free for everybody, but I don't think you could play it without Online. Right, you couldn't online, play without right? Nintendo Online now. All, that's all there is. It's just, right. it's just this mode. Which is weird. Like, you couldn't just have, like, a single-player Tetris in there. Well, then, I mean... You want to talk about repeating yourself. 
Like yeah, everyone but has why Tetris. not? I mean, it's like, why not just put it in there? It's like, now you have Tetris on your Switch. Like, it makes too much sense. Yeah, it's, probably, it's a pretty good incentive if you don't have the online. So how it works is, it's basically, you basically play it like you're just playing Tetris. Like, you really don't realize that there's other people involved at all. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just like, it depends if someone's targeting you. So, like, you can see the lines there being drawn. So, like, the line with the little green thing there indicates that that's where if you if you make if you get rid you know if you match lines that's where the the junk from your game is going to get dropped into that person's game and then you've got uh, other you can see there's not right now or maybe it's covered by the graphic but there's lines that go to your your game board yeah no one so no one's targeting you right now of course not but they uh, <laughs> but those people are dropping their junk onto your board um, and sometimes you hit points yeah, so when where you I, clear Blocks. Yeah, they go to they go to the yeah, other just, person's just like, yeah. board that you have highlighted. Yeah, you can see the the gray ones at the bottom there are, are junk that has come from other people. Uh, just like you know, that's how multiplayer Tetris has worked for pretty much forever. Yep. Um, and uh, of course, some you know, then the trick becomes as there's fewer and fewer people, there's more and more likelihood that you're going to get targeted by more than one person. Yeah. And if you got more than one person throwing this this stuff at you. You're dead. Yeah, the game um, can spiral very quickly. Yes. Like, you can have a cleared board, and if a couple people dump their junk on you, suddenly it's all the way up to the top, and you're scrambling trying to, to place your blocks. Um, so it's fun, but ultimately it still is just Tetris. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool permutation of it. It's it's sort of like, uh, you know, how often do you see something... I mean, I would say how often do you see something new done with Tetris, but we just had Tetris Effect last right. year. So. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those games that just doesn't, you know, you can play with it, you can mess with it, you can you can tweak how it works and still keep it recognizably itself. Yeah. Which is kind of Tetris's great advantage uh, beyond the fact that everybody likes it. Yeah. Um, like, if you meet someone that doesn't like Tetris, you're like, what? <laughs> it's like meeting someone that doesn't like animals yeah. or something. It's just like, what? what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> um, uh, It's cool. Like, it, it, I, I like it. What was your best finish? Like, 32 or something like that. Mine's like I'm, exactly right there. I am, the I am not I a. Did. I am not any kind of Tetris master. Me either. By any yeah. Stretch of the imagination. Me either. The best I finished was 32 or 33, and uh, and like some of these guys are really good. Yeah. Like, like I'd love to see like you know I'm sure they will like organize like a big tournament with like all the guys who can like you know play the game uh, you know like like just just instant drop just drop you know, them, yeah. you know, the guys who play like those tournaments where like it's, just, it's just, insane to watch those people play like 99 um, are there 99 of those guys probably somewhere yeah but uh, that'd be that'd be fun to see but uh, eSports yeah do you think you'll uh, go back and play it again yeah I think I think this will be something I kind of go back and, and play periodically like it's not it's not gonna be like an obsession or anything but it's, I like that I have it. I like that I can kind of just load it up. It would it'd be a fun thing if like people are over. Like, hey, check this out. Yeah. And like, but see, that's where I think having, because the, the Switch is a handheld, I think having a single-player version of Tetris in here makes too much sense. Yeah, that's true. But I, I do think there's gonna, they're going to add more. Probably. Forward. There'll probably eventually be a single-player or yeah. something or other. At least I hope so. Yeah, um, I, I think that'd be a pretty, pretty easy add. I mean, literally, it's probably like two bytes of code. Like... Yeah, I mean, eventually. I mean, right now it's just you know it's, it's for the on, people who subscribe to the online service, yeah. and eventually, you know, eventually maybe you'll be able to buy like a, a you know a, a, a non-free version that has more stuff. That's possible. Or like you know eventually they'll add it. Like you can you know you have it for free for the ninety-nine mode, but like if you want to play like the other modes, you can 
pay 10 bucks or something. Is Tetris in the public domain now? Do you have to uh, pay for the license still? Mm, I don't think... I, I, you know, it can't be because Ubisoft just had to take their Tetris games off oh, right. digital That's stuff right. because That's their right. license ran out. So, yep. yeah, it's, it is not public domain. Yep, someone owns it still. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Fire Emblem Three Houses, which was supposed to be the focus of the Direct. At least that's uh, how Vin- Nintendo Vin- would build it. Vincent's saying that a couple single-player modes have been data-mined. Okay, uh, they're, they're going to be there. Including a Tetris 99 mode versus bots and a traditional marathon mode. Oh, good. Well, there you go. That's good news. So clearly they're not done. All right. Uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses is what Nintendo marketed the Direct as being all about. And to be fair, mm-hmm. it did seem to have the most amount of It had time the biggest chunk, I think. Yeah. Allotted to it. Uh, we had only seen this game once before in a trailer. And the trailer was not especially convincing. However... Well, I liked the trailer because it indicated you'd have like kind of a Dragon Force-style yeah. army, army guys with you. And this went into that a little bit. A I, was, little bit I was speaking more visually. It did, the game didn't look particularly good. It's Fire Emblem. But now, I mean, it, it's got a complete overhaul. It looks like a completely different game now. Mm. Uh, particularly when in-engine during battles. Uh, what struck you the most about what they showed about Three Houses? Uh, it was boring. It was boring. But um, <laughs> it, look, I don't care about your history lesson, yeah. guys. Like, I, I get it. Like, that's part of the, the Fire Emblem thing. Is like, what what world is? It? Where the, what's the conflict? Where are the kingdom? You know, yeah. I, I just way too long of like a monotone narrator kind of telling me all this stuff about these different uh, countries. I don't, and, yeah. I don't care. Show me the game. Show yeah. me the gameplay. Um, also, the the thing like it, you're kind of at like three rival schools. Like that's you. you pick, it, it's very uh, uh, Trails of Cold Steel. Yeah. Um, the Legends of, Her- of Heroes thing. Which is a franchise um, you guys should check out if you like turn-based RPGs. Yeah, those games are, are long but good. Yeah. Um, but uh, otherwise, like, you know, I'm like, so now here we are. Uh, this is the Fire Emblem I know. Uh, choose between a guy in armor and a girl kind of in armor but also randomly showing her navel because yeah. why not? <laughs> um, and so, uh, I mean, there's tons of backstory in this but like, I did like what I saw. I mean, this is probably my top anticipated Switch game for the year. Wow. Um, just because I like Fire Emblem so much. Uh, I do kind of wish Fire Emblem hadn't gone so crazy. Like, so they, 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 you know, starting with, I guess, Awakening, they started to lean real hard into the anime. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just kind of the brand now. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Between uh, the mobile stuff and everything. But it looks real good. Um, you know, it definitely doesn't look like another 3DS Fire Emblem. Nope. Uh both in terms of kind of the presentational quality and uh, and the the visuals of the in-game stuff, so I was glad to see that. Um, you don't need to sell me on this game too much, really. Uh, well, also, there's a little Harry getting. Potter going on. Yeah, here, yeah, actually. Yeah, you're right. Um, so you don't you know need what to you're sell getting me with this. It's yeah. a known quantity. Yeah, and, they, and, and now they, you're seeing the production values. To me, the production values have gone through the roof since the first time they showed this game. Now, like, the in-game visuals have, like, a cell-shaded yeah. look to them. It's been a long time since we saw a console Fire Emblem. It, it is, yeah. It's so. been a while. The the Wii, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That was it. That was the last one. Radiant Dawn or whatever. Yeah, Radiant I, I can Dawn. Nev- I, can, I can never remember which one's the Wii and which one's the GameCube because they continue off each other. Oh, that's true. Because one of them is Radiant Dawn and the other is something else. I think Radiant Dawn's the Wii game. Um, maybe I don't think it matters. <laughs> but this is the one franchise you kind of what you see is what you get. WYSIWYG. and uh, 
both you and I are big fans of the franchise. Mm. And so this is just a no-brainer, basically. When it comes out, we're going to play it. Yeah. <laughs> Intelligent Systems is making it. Until they hand it over to another developer, then I'll be concerned. Yeah. As long as Intelligent Systems is making their games, I'm in, I'm there. Um, but yeah, you can see here, like, the battle visuals are so much better. I don't know if you remember, yeah. but... Like the oh, first yeah. trailer they show that... Also, there is nothing quite like a pencil skirt for when you have to fight <laughs> melee combat in a battlefield. That is, uh... Well, that's the anime uh, <sighs> roots shining through there. But it uh, it looks good, I, I think. I mean, it's, it's definitely not going to win best graphics of 2019, but it looks way better than it did when it was first shown. Mm -hmm. And graphics are probably the least of my concerns with this franchise. I mean, I've been playing it in handhelds for how long yeah, now? I mean... So. It's uh, it's doing a pretty good job. I mean, part of the I always felt like the the switch to polygonal characters sort of lost some of Fire Emblem's personality. It's charm, um, yeah. Yeah, the the charm was some of that kind of hand animated two D you know sprite work with the, especially with the horses and the yeah yeah slant, you know with the lance and the, they looked yeah, really great. Cool. Yeah, the um, animation. But were I think awesome. they're they're capturing that you know you get you're getting character and personality out of all these attacks even in three D. Um, it's not kind of that eye, eye bleedingly like oh kind of like thing that, that the old uh, the Wii game had. Um, I love I like the GameCube and the Wii game. Uh, it just they were not lookers for yeah. even even for their time. Yeah. Uh, this one this one looks like it's uh, at the very least on par with uh, the other stuff coming out this year on the system. Yeah, so, I would agree with that. And then you... it's interesting how like even with sort of you know the weakish hardware of the Switch. If you if you know the capabilities and you pick a clean, like a solid clean art style, you can make it look great. You can. Like yeah. they did that with Mario. They did it with Zelda. They're doing it with this. They did it. With, they do it with the the Yoshi game coming up. Zelda uh, at times looks a little. Zelda's a little rough yeah. uh, in places. because I mean, some of the areas are so barren yeah. and just don't have a lot of objects in them. But like you know, the art style works for it. Yeah. And Mario. Oh, when you when everything's. In yeah. tightness, characters and things like that. It's great, but like, it just I, I like the kind of the house style of like just sort of make it clean, make it simple, make it pop. That's also how they you know? make it run well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is which is important. It is important. Yeah, so, not so much with uh, Fire Emblem, but yeah, with so I, I I dig it. Yeah, I'm, cool. I think we're both I'm in that one. Yep. Put that put that pre-order up for the collector's edition. Let's do it. Yep. Uh, up next, another surprise, completely unannounced before the direct. Astral Chain, mm. a new game from Platinum, but it literally has like an all-star team working on it. Mm -hmm. it. They have people from Nier Automata working on it, Kamiya's working on it. Yep. It's literally just a who's who of Japanese game development that's yeah, working you, you, on this it's game. It's basically a character action dream team game. Yeah, and we've heard that before. And these games yeah, don't... That doesn't <laughs> always work out. Yeah, it, 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 sometimes these yeah. guys don't seem to work well too. Together, <laughs> yeah, I don't you know, know why that is. It's like you put a bunch of geniuses together. You don't get to always get a genius product. No, well, so, genius also tends to come with ego. Yep, absolutely. And e with ego comes arguments. Yes. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this, Matt? It's obviously a platinum hack and slash. Yep, that's what I think. Like, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I, I'd like to see more of it. Uh, I like the, I like the kind of the cyberpunky uh, versus demons thing in general. Um, at first, I thought this might be like, is this Shin Megami Tensei? Yeah. Like I was like, they, when they first started showing it, they yeah. don't tell you what it is till the end. No. Like, and, and I was and, like, holy cow, they really changed it. <laughs> and at a certain point, I'm like, okay, this can't be because I don't recognize any of the monsters. Right. Um, but 
it was cool. Like, I'm interested to see how kind of the, the dual, like, you know, clearly it works with, like, double characters and, like, you've got, you do kind of have a persona thing going on. Where you got yeah, it's that, the, like, dog-looking thing. The, the kind of a tech monster thing that comes out and then, like, the characters have this chain they connect to and, like, trip people up with and tie them up with and stuff. I mean, it's platinum, so you know that there's going to be some crazy interesting combat system that, like, is going to take you, like, three hours to even, like, get a basic (laughs) grasp on. And, like, you're you're finally going to figure out, oh, I've been playing it wrong this whole time, and that kind of thing. Um, It also seems to be sort of an olive branch in exchange, because immediately after they ran this, uh, they're like, yeah, Bayonetta 3 is being worked on. It's, it's like Bayonetta 3 is a ways off. So please be excited this. For is this. coming yeah, this year. Yeah. In August, I think. Yeah. That's crazy. So it's all crazy. these games we're talking about are it's coming. It's also crazy this year. that they could keep it quiet that long. Yeah. You know, like it's all these huge names working on it. A big platinum you know, platinum's been quiet for a and long time. And it's so far away it's so close. They've been working yeah. on it for so long. And like just you know they kept that is a tight ship. Right the other there. thing I like about this game too, even though we know very little about it right now the sidekick, the dog, mm. you can do all kinds of different things with the dog. So you can let it fight alongside you. You can let it be a support to you. Or you can let it go fight and just throw in items to support it. So there's a lot of flexibility in how you work with kind of the sidekick creature, whatever the heck it is. It's like a dog something. I don't know mm. what it is. Like a robot wolf, maybe. But uh, I like that idea. I like that concept. And like you said, because Platinum is developing it, I have faith that Things that you hear about will actually work mechanically, ultimately. Yeah. I mean, Platinum doesn't always hit it out of the park, but it seems to really depend on the director. Yeah. Well, this is Kamiya. This is Kamiya. I mean, it's, it's yeah. He, he, this is the A-list making this game, clearly. And obviously, Nier Automata has been a huge sleeper hit. Yeah. And so when you say, hey, a guy that worked on that is working on this, it's like a, like a nice dog whistle for the people who really connected with automata so yeah, not a dog whistle it's a flare yeah it really like, is yeah come on over boys it, yeah. yeah so yeah like, i don't like the art i guess i'll say that it's very typical japanese action game but the creature design is what i don't like design. you don't like the no creature design? i don't i hate it it's a little guyverish it's um just not but, appealing uh, and, it, and to me in really any way it just—it doesn't seem like the creatures fit with the universe of the game well that might be part of the plot Oh, like, that's true. Know, that's a good point. Invading monsters. <laughs> well, that from the, world. that is what the plot is. So there's like rifts have opened yeah. up, and the creatures are pouring in from the. How many games have that set up? It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a strange the old, rift is open to a new world. The old and, Pacific Rim thing. Yep. Yeah, so the idea is that you have to fight back the creatures and close the rifts and re- return serenity to your city or whatever. So it's so. Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Like I said, the setup is used <laughs> lots and lots throughout video games. Uh, intriguing. I'm excited for this game. Um, probably one of the one of the excited more interesting. Glitter up as a dog in a yeah. dog costume. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Certainly one of the more interesting games I feel like that was shown in this direct. Yeah, it was a good surprise. Yeah. Um, the pedigree is there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Into it. Looks, looks good. I'm, I, I hope it runs well. Yeah. Because. Uh, the game we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah, there's, there's another game I was looking forward to that uh, disappointed me in that regard. Okay, the next game, I, I have problems pronouncing this, Oninaki. Oninaki, yeah. Oninaki. Yeah. Which is coming from Tokyo RPG Factory, mm-hmm. which is living up to its name. Yes. Holy yes, crap, that studio is turning out games like it's nothing. Uh, the twist with Oninaki. Factory is the key word. Darling. Yeah, it is. 
the twist with Oninaki, though, is it's an action RPG. Mm. It's more like Diablo than what you've come to, to expect from them. So I am Setsuna, Lost Fear. Those are the first two games the studio made, and those were turn-based RPGs. Yeah. This one is like an isometric hack and slash. Yeah. It's a, it's a different move, but I, I like it. And also, like, uh, the director on this is uh, uh, Takashi Tokita. He directed Parasite, even Chrono Trigger. Okay. Uh, so, you uh, again, we have another pedigree yeah. situation here. I mean, uh, the first two games that this studio made were good. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, obviously we didn't get a whole lot of information here. Like, it's just sort yeah. of a little teaser. But uh, because of who's making it and because of uh, sort of the look of it, and I like, I don't know, for some reason I love the sword sounds in this game. Yeah. Like, there's a, sh- a shing to them that I think is really, like, chunky and cool. Um one thing we should mention, this, this is not a Switch exclusive. <coughs> this is coming no. to every platform, but was unveiled during the, mm. the direct. Yeah, I, but uh, I, and, you know, I do like a good, I do like a good world-shifting game. Um, it looks like you jump from like, kind of ghost world to real world in this. Um, this has my attention. Like, I don't know if I'll get it on the Switch. Uh, we'll see. Did what. you finish any, either of the two prior games that I, this studio I finished made? I Am Sitsuna. Did you? I, what was the other one? Lost Sphere. I didn't play that. Okay. I did not finish either one of them. I um, liked it. I liked I Am Setsuna. I liked it. I could tell it was their first game. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, the but production I, values on this are far and away the best that this studio definitely. made. Not even also, close. Also, I am much more of an action, you know, action RPG gets my attention, hack and slash action RPG gets my attention much faster than turn-based. So. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. Um, Depending on the series. Uh, One thing the studio does great is art. Mm-hmm. They have a house style. Yes. I could tell that this is their game. Like, even if you look at I Am Setsuna, the first game, you can see a similar art style yes, between the, the two projects. As soon as you see the Cupid doll with the bladed instrument, you're yeah. like, okay, yeah, I, know where, I know where we are. But this could be a, a surprise hit later in the year, coming for all platforms. Um, but an auspicious debut for that, I believe. Next up is a game that's been shown several times, and that and that game is also being developed outside of Nintendo by Marvelous. It's called Daemon Cross Machina, and Cross is that what they're saying? That, I mean, that's usually what they say in Japan. Yeah, when, that, anytime there's an X, they call it Cross. But yeah, but I think it, or Key. Yeah, if they stylize it right. in a Greek letter. Right. I've been assuming it's Demon X Machina because of the. Possibly. Deus Ex Machina reference. It's possible, uh, but who can tell until someone says the name? This game is underdeveloped by Mar- under development by Marvelous, which does not have a great pedigree, since that's kind of the recurring theme in this this section of the show. It's a it's a slightly ironic name, yeah. In some ways, <laughs> uh, but I I find most of them, even if most of Marvelous' stuff, even if it's sort of janky, tends to have a charm. It has a style to it. To it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marvelous typically makes a ton of turn based RPGs. Mm-hmm. And then they'll make those, and then they'll create spin-offs of those franchises in other genres. That's typically how Marvel operate or Marvelous operates. This they're just going straight. They're cutting straight to the chase, yep. and it's a full-on straight to the action mech game armored core ripoff. Yeah, and so this game actually, the big announcement for this during the direct was that there was a free demo mm-hmm. up on the eShop, and I promptly went and downloaded it and played it. That's what you're seeing right now, Matt. You also downloaded and played it, yep. which really surprised me. I have to admit, I never there's dreamed. A, there's a giant robot in it. I'll play it. <laughs> uh, how did you feel about about this game after playing it? 
Uh, the first time, like, it wasn't at playable at E3. Right. They played it on the Treehouse stream, but we couldn't play it. As an Armored Core fan, I like what they're doing. Um, I, I can see kind of being, like, like, digging into it in terms of the customization, in terms of, like, do it, going out and doing the missions and the side, you know, there's, there's a lot in here that I like. Uh, my problem is it runs like crap. Yeah. Uh, the performance is just awful and like marvelous the, the frame rate <laughs> tanks if you look frame at it wrong marvelous the uh when the immor- there's there's giant robots called immortals yeah. that like you know they're like as big as a building and when they show up like you're talking like it, it, i think the frame rate might drop into the teens like i was thinking when i was playing it i was like Maybe I was too hard on Anthem. Like, <laughs> well, look at this. Looks like Anthem. Like when it first starts and like the yeah. one robot takes off. Like, and the the thing for me, I mean, I guess the areas are fairly large, but like, there's not really anything happening in this game nothing. that feels like it should be chugging that bad. I mean, like, this level is like the size of one city block. Like it's it's a little rem- in terms of kind of scale. Sk- Scale and scope, it feels a little PlayStation 2 ish. Yes, absolutely. And, it feels um, like it might have been a project that was a hangover from that era. And I don't I don't necessarily mean that to like insult it. Like I kind of enjoy some of the throwback elements of it as someone who played like all twelve or whatever frickin' armored core. There are a lot of armored core games. Are. I don't know if yeah. you knew that. Yeah, I did, but I like, did know that. Yeah. But when I, I cataloged all my physical games, and like the armored core section is like a whole page. Yeah. Like they made <laughs> they made so many of those games and then they stopped. They just stopped. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, so it is a mech combat game. Yeah. And it's mostly projectile combat. There yeah. is melee, there, but there's mostly... There's swords and shield. I mean, the Gundam fans have something to deal with, but if you're not shooting at stuff, you're going to have a hard time, probably. Everything is, uh, like, auto-lock. Yes. Um, there is a manual aim, and I tried to use it, and it's a complete and utter disaster. No, I don't, like, there's no reason for that. There's, there ain't no need for that. Basically. But you can see here what I'm trying to do. I'm trying yeah. to get it to lock on. And it won't lock on to the enemy. Because he's he's behind the little, the little ridge on right. the thing. You have to you have to boost up. But so like, I try I to never... use the stick to find adjust it and it just is all over yeah, the place. It was that's not that's a non starter. Yeah. Like <laughs> just just take just use the boost to take off and come out of it. And just above. get like, like yeah. close enough to him so the lock on works. Yeah, yeah, there's no uh there's no finesse, uh, at least in the in the demo. I mean maybe le- maybe later in the game you you have like items that take advantage of that, but I did not find any any need to do anything more than just sort of hover above stuff and lock on. Yeah, it. it's a very simple game. Uh, it seems to be the most strategy comes in when you're choosing your loadout before yeah. your mission. Loadout seems important. Um, yeah, making sure you keep your ammo up and keeping an eye on your uh, your you know your health can drop pretty fast if you're not paying attention and not keeping on the move. But there are like you know there are the little these little like uh, I guess little, almost like a little tank like like tanker truck looking things you can like open up and it creates like a field that lets like, like just regenerate like your health. It's like a dome that'll regenerate your yeah. health and protect you, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it, I, I like in general just sort of like, you know, giant mechs locking onto things and firing like, you know, micro missiles at them and yeah. something. So I was, I was into it. It's I satisfying. It. The, the, yeah. Definitely the lock-on missiles feel good when you fire them and they, they land. Yeah, and you gotta run around and make sure you keep your ammo up because there's limited ammo and everything. Uh, I thought it was funny that like several of the skills that you could acquire uh, were were centered around uh, reloading quicker. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is an actual concern, uh, which is a very armored core thing. Is when when your when your weapons are ready. Um, so I dig. I mean, look, if it if it ran at a steady thirty, I would be like done. Like I'm gonna order this. Like I'm I'm into it. I like it. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a niche product, but I think it, it's it's cool. I just I'm so let down by the frame rate. 
and the because like I was trying to lock on to start like you know pass my court my my reticle over like bits of the immortal the giant immortal things and I was missing what I was trying to like point at because the frame rate <laughs> would chug and it would kind of skip. Right. It was like, like, I don't know if that's the skipping though, Matt. I think it's the stick because it has one of those. And I hate this in every game that uses it, where if you hold the stick at first, it tracks very slowly, but then it has like this almost like a gyro thing where it, like the longer you hold it, the faster than it whips. This was this was like pretty small moves. Uh, okay. it was, the frame rate was messing me up. Like it was it was definitely like I know what you mean. Like it, it has that sort of like and and momentum it, it, based like. Well, I, I think that's intentional in this game because the. I'm sure it is. Even when you're just moving around on the ground, like you start pretty slow and then you start to kind of skate. Yeah. You know, like I think there's sort of an element of like starts kind of rev up that they're trying to make these the mechs in this feel. I don't remember what the na the official name of the mechs are in this. There's some yeah, specific yeah. name. Um, I can't keep all this. Is, is it a javelin or a or a suit or a doll <laughs> or a pat labor? Or a, I don't know. Like it's a yeah. mech. Um, so like, I, but I was just like my my experience was being hampered by the performance and. Uh, I was like, why would you release a demo that does that? Because all you're doing is making me very unhappy and concerned. Um, so I'm going to have to sit back and sort of wait and see on what this fi the final product... Because like, it comes out in July, right? Yeah. So it's like, how, you know, how old is this build? You're in an Anthem situation again. How old is this build? How much Im improvement is there going to be in the final build? How much improvement could there be in the time between when you did this demo and when the, you know, because demos do tend to be older builds than what they're, we're working on right now. This, yeah. this thing could be six months old for all we know. Yep. I mean, true. for all we know, this could have been what they wanted to show at E3 and it wasn't ready yet. Yeah. You know, it could be a really ancient. But um, I don't know if they did themselves any favors releasing a demo that chugs like this. I don't like it at all, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I was pretty excited for this game um, after E3. And again, this was based upon a Treehouse demo and some trailers. I liked the look of the game. I liked the concept of the game. Now that I've played it, I just don't enjoy playing it. Hmm. Um, it's all like auto-lock. It doesn't take a whole lot of skill maybe later on. I don't know how you can ever really incorporate skill into a game where everything just automatically locks on. Um, it's like managing how often you fire each weapon. I mean, it's not too far off of Ace Combat. I mean, yeah. locking. It's, it's a matter of getting prioritizing stuff, being on the move enough that no one can hit you, and you know, not using up all your resources too fast and having enough left over for anything weird that could happen. Because that was one of the things they definitely did as you moved on, like... There was always an there's usually an unexpected thing. I mean, I know that usually doesn't make sense with unexpected there, but like, <laughs> like you know, the, the, these games like to do the thing where it's like, all right, we're going out to do this thing. We did the thing. The thing is done. We're awesome. Wait a minute, what's that on the scanner? You know, it's like yeah. it's, it's that thing happens. That kind of thing happens a lot. It so. also uh, this to me, this game has like a six or seven out of ten written all over it. I wouldn't disagree with that, but it, it's like it, if you're if you're into this sort of thing, if you're into the armored core thing, it's like still this, worth buying. It, it scratches an itch that yeah. like nothing else is scratching. Right? And you can see like they've kind of cut corners here. Like the cinemas, some of the cinemas are just text bubbles, which you typically don't fully see. fully voiced though. Yeah, it is like, fully voiced. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing depending on what you think about current dubbing techniques. I mean, here's the funny part. They're not, they didn't get Troy Baker for this one. Yeah, Let's yeah, put it that way. Yeah. The funny part is, is when I first saw this game, I actually pegged it right. And then as time went on, I started warming up to it and liking it. Mm -hmm. And now that I've played it, it actually is exactly what I thought it was the first time I saw it. Yeah, this is pretty much exactly what I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing. I just, I, if it wasn't 
chugging so hard in the frame rate department, especially considering what it looks like, I would be less. I would be much more enthusiastic. Yeah, you um, don't see worlds that barren in 2019 very often. Yeah, with like and still running like sub 30 is weird. I mean, you um, feel like you can almost actually count the polygons. And I don't, I'm pretty, this, and this is this is exclusive. <laughs> it uh, is. Too. So it's not yeah. like you're gonna be able to get it better on another no. platform. So this it's, is all it's, we're gonna it's, get. It's, it's, if this is what it turns out to be, that's a shame. Um, but that we'll is see. one thing that they maybe it'll run better in handheld mode. I don't know. Well, I mean, generally, frame rate is something that can be fixed even up to like the last minute. So yeah. I, I wouldn't completely doom the game if that's your big issue with it. I think that's that is definitely can, my big issue. Yeah, I, I think they can definitely get that up to scratch for you. Before. I'm not saying 60, but I think a no, solid I don't expect 30. 60. I just yeah. just steady. Yeah, I, mean, I think a solid 30. They'll they'll probably reach that. I don't think Nintendo will release it if it doesn't. You don't? No. Hmm. Even a game that's made out of house. I, I just don't see Nintendo allowing that. So we'll see, but... Is that a new thing? Because I remember Turok. <laughs> that is a new thing. But you got to remember, Turok was like one of the first ever 3D games. I mean, if you want to go back to the N64, you can go on and on. You can go back to mm. Banjo, all the Rare games. All their frame rates were terrible. And Nintendo yeah. was like, hey, it's a, our first 3D game. Let's just Pretty get much it anything using the expansion pack. Yeah, was yeah. It was a slideshow. Pretty much, yeah. Even with the expansion pack, it was a slideshow. And I think developers relied on that more than they should have. Yeah. I think they, they thought that extra four gigs of RAM was going to do a lot more than it actually did. Well, it wasn't even four gigs, was it? No, it wasn't. It was, it was like four no, megabytes. Like megs. Yeah, yeah, four megs. Yeah. Uh, okay, just to wrap up the director, there's a couple smaller things. Uh, Matt kind of talked about some of the third-party stuff. Um there was Marvel. They showed new Marvel Ultimate Alliance three. That's mm-hmm. also coming out this year. Um, that's being developed by Platinum, right? Yeah. Is it? In, no, with Team Ninja. Yeah. In association Ninja. with Team Ninja. So they showed a new trailer of that. We're not seeing it right now. This is the one they sh- the debut mm-hmm. trailer. They showed Iron Fist and Captain Marvel. Those are yeah. the two reveals. With with obviously Captain Marvel's movies coming out, it was pretty yeah. good timing for that. Um, but it looks fine. Yeah, like. This is one of those games you're not gonna have a good idea of how good it's gonna be till you play it. Yeah, you're just uh, not. Cause, like especially because like the you know the they got the the remasters of the the old ones up, and I played those, and it's like that's not really very fun no. anymore, is it? <laughs> not, I didn't so, find it fun way back when they came out either. So I'm interested to see kind of what they do with this to make it more of a I don't know something that doesn't feel quite so old, old and static <laughs> and and rigid. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. Uh, the like prequel be, I, I'm just interested. I'll be interested to see if they can make the characters feel like themselves. You know yeah. what I mean? Will, will playing Wolverine feel like playing Wolverine, or will it just feel like playing the same character who happens to have like a slashy attack? Right. Is know? it going like, to be just like sw- like palette swaps? And pretty much. Like I mean, that. that's pretty yeah. much what the old ones were to some degree. It's like yeah. Nobody felt particularly different from one another. Yeah. So we'll see on that one. Uh, Captain Toad Treasure Tractor, the uh, Switch version. It's getting a major update. They're adding mm-hmm. cooperative play for the whole game. You get to play mm-hmm. with a per- with a friend through the whole thing. They're also adding 18 new challenges across five different boards. Uh, so they're not letting Captain Toad die. They're keeping it going. Um, and this is probably one of the easiest games to create DLC for because every level is discreet. It doesn't have to have any connection to any of the other levels. They don't have to make sense going together. The base game is all over the map as far as art style and things like that. So uh, they could keep creating new levels for this forever. Yep. And hopefully they do because it's a great game. 
Another another example of uh, you know what what they brought from the Wii U is pretty much the same thing that was on the Wii U, but they have you know they've started to make it its own. Yeah. And give it the life that it deserved to have. You know, because again, I think a lot of good stuff on the Wii U got cut short. Absolutely. This and is this one of the better examples of that, yeah. I think. I'm not. This is not not my thing, but like I'm glad they've sort of they didn't just leave it in the dustbin. Yeah. I enjoy it. Uh, will I go play DLC for it? Probably not. It's a little pricey. Yeah. This like the season pass was a little a little pricey. Yeah. This uh this franchise though has hardcore fans. The people yes. that like this love it. The very few people are gonna meet that are kind of lukewarm on it. Well, I mean, there's not much else like it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, it's really that counts, a puzzle that game. That counts for something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then the final thing, at least that I felt was worth mentioning from the Direct, is Assassin's Creed 3 coming to Switch, which was rumored for days and days leading up to the Direct. We did not get a Metroid Prime Trilogy announcement. Instead, we got Assassin's Creed 3, which you all knew about, which also was already mm-hmm. available for Wii U and looked and, uh, better on Wii U. Oddly enough, and it's getting a remaster on every platform. Yeah, it's uh, not, that's not exclusive to Switch Two months all. before the Switch version comes out, and the Switch version does not appear to have shadows. Yeah. That was the worst thing I think shown was the Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I agree it looked, with that. It looked particularly bad. after the Wii U version was pretty good. Yeah, it was, I mean the Wii U version was at least on par with like the PS3 version. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. It there was not it. not good, and also Dead by Daylight. Yeah, uh, that that looked, looked <laughs> awful. It did. I mean, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, visuals are not exactly the the, the end all be all for that game. You know, the point is to play the game. It's you know, but like it looked. There was some PlayStation 2 texture stuff going on there. Like, yeah. It was very muddy. The lighting was turned down to nothing. It was it's clearly like, it felt like, you know, you just turned everything down to low settings and, and said, just said, go. there you go. Yeah. Um, Hellblade had a little bit of, uh, yeah. It, it was it was a little softened in yeah. terms of its... I, I'm okay. I mean, it, it's Switch. There's only so much you can do with the hardware. Yeah, but it's just like... But it's a, you can also tell when developers are being lazy. Yeah. That's the danger with becoming the hot new platform, though. Everybody just about, wants to get their stuff on Well, your see, platform. I don't know if I'd call that lazy development. I'd call it lazy publishing. Because the de- Well, the it de- takes two to tango. The developers can only do what they've given the money and time to do, and the publisher's the one that calls that shot. Yeah. So I'm not going to call them lazy for, like, being told, you got to cram this thing onto the Switch, and you have this many months to do it yeah. you gotta do what you gotta do to get your job done I guess I don't know Dead by Daylight looked real bad it man. did like, it like if you're the did. developer there you have to push back and be like no one we're not showing it like this and two we're definitely not releasing it like this well I'm assuming I don't know who developed that but I bet it was a contract thing or just like, yeah I mean just... that developer is the same they're the same guys that did um, what's the choose your own horror game for PS4 until Dawn? Yeah. Is it the same studio? Dead by Daylight? Yeah. No. Uh, or did they do Friday the 13th? No, Dead by Daylight's a very different... Dead by Daylight's a competitor to Friday the 13th. Yeah. They did another game, though. That's not like their only game. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, but that's it. That's it for the Direct. I mean, I thought that was an amazing Direct. For yeah. February 2019... I mean, you didn't really need Metroid Prime Trilogy. You didn't. I mean, it would have just been an afterthought in this. Yeah. And like you said, when we first started talking about it, there's all these other big games that are supposed to come out this year that we didn't see at all. Mm. Uh, so this is a really good sign. Like, the Switch is 2019 is looking like when we get to the end of the year and we award Best Platform, it's going to have a shot this year. Might, especially if Sony didn't put anything right. else out. I mean, like, it's going to have a good shot. Yeah. And like the last couple years, like it wasn't even in consideration. Like I thought about it the first year just because 
two excellent games in one year with mm. Zelda and Mario. It's like, okay, I need to think about it. But then you started looking at like the other platforms. You're like, okay, they had like 20. Last year, not even, I didn't even consider it for best platform of the year. If the schedule that Nintendo has proposed right now holds true for the rest of the year, it's going to be tough to beat for 2019, yeah. as it should be. This is the Switch's groove. This is the sweet spot for the Switch. Well, presumably All the other guys are fading, starting to mix down for the inevitable build for the next platforms. Well, this is the heyday of Switch. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I don't know. I think Microsoft might have some stuff for the latter half of the year. Sony's the big question mark. Sony's the th- Sony's the the you know you put all those exclusive things they've talked they talked about last year out this year, you've got a strong contender. But we don't know yeah. anything. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean you could put out Ghost of Tsushima, Death Stranding, Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, that's an amazing year. But, but we might get nothing. We might get nothing. Like, we could get all three. Tr- but traditionally, Sony does not put out their first party stuff as their holiday releases. Yeah. So it would be out of character to get those games this year, I think. It would be. Absolutely. I mean, Switch got the inside line right now. Yeah, so especially if they get Animal Crossing out. They get Animal Crossing out. They get Pokemon. I know people don't, Pokemon, get, people don't get, get excited about Animal Crossing. I certainly don't because I don't, I'm, I don't feel like I never, ever need to do that to myself again. But... Um, Animal Crossing is like their number four franchise. It's huge. It's yeah. like it's like Mario, Zelda, Pokemon, Animal Crossing, Splatoon in yeah. terms of sales numbers. Yeah. Like those are your big five Nintendo franchises, right? Yeah, now. it's in, not Metroid in, in 2019. Oh, and it's never been. It's yeah. never been Metroid. But like people don't seem to. It's like if you're just looking at sales numbers and what routinely you know tops the charts for Nintendo, Animal Crossing is a is a monster. Mario Kart. Mario, Mario Kart, how Mario Kart uh, yeah. sells. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean I'm including that with Mario. Yeah. Mario as a brand is just Santa Claus. It you is. Know, yeah. Santa Claus and Ronald McDonald. <laughs> License to print money. Level. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, man, 2019 is looking real good for Switch. And uh, maybe it didn't hit its financial target this year, but maybe when they set the one for next year, they'll actually hit it. Well, I bet they hit their financial target for software sales. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I imagine they're going to do even better this year yeah. because there's going to be a lot more to buy. They're, I think they'll sell more hardware this year. I think they'll sell more software this year. They might. We'll see what that revision looks like. Yeah. Which, if I, I know, I know <laughs> it doesn't exist. But like, come on. Yeah. So there you go. Should be yeah. an interesting E3 if they're if they're willing to kind of blow all this up now. Yeah. That's that means true. that means that's a, that's a confident. That's a company. good point. Because we're it's hard to believe we're like four months away from E3. Yeah. Four months out from E3, and you're going to show us all that? Like, yeah. What do you got it's for impressive. June? Yeah, exactly. That means the back half of their year is probably pretty stacked. Yeah, it does mean that. So, looking good for Nintendo. Uh, that is one of the best early year directs I can remember. Yeah. Now the 3DS is out of the way. It was way better than the Switch reveal. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That's true. Nobody played anything on a rooftop. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about... We're going to talk about Activision and Activision's layoffs, but I have a feeling that that's going to dovetail out into a bigger discussion on development and the industry and huge corporations kind of taking over gaming. But if you if you missed a story, uh, this week, Activision reported what its CEO said was some of the best financials ever. They said the best financials. The best, yes. The record. Bobby it's Kotick was like, it's the best financials we've ever reported, and they laid off 800 people. Yep. The, uh, I think it was the thing. The thing with the problem with the invest with the stock shareholders was um, I think they it was something like two point three, two point four billion in revenue, which is like the most ever. But yeah. their forecast was three billion. Right. And doesn't matter if you set a new record if you fall short of your estimates, the shareholders are going to freak out um, because 
reality is stupid. But like um, <laughs> because the stock market is stupid. It's, it's, yeah, it's all crazy. It's, it's, it's that infinite growth myth. It's yeah. that thing where it's like you can't just like have a successful company that makes a, this amount of profit and people who invest in it make this amount of dividend out of it. It has to infinitely get bigger and better. And it's bigger the day and traders. And it's the better. day traders that are killing it for everybody. Well, it's also the people investing in tech who saw everybody that invested in tech in the late 90s and get rich. 2000s get rich off of Apple and all that stuff, and now they think it's their turn. So that's what's demand. You know, venture capital people do that to you. I mean, even if there's no no shareholding, like kind of you know IPO, you get that from VC people too. Where like they're like, well, what's you know that Patreon's going through that right now. We talked about that last yeah. week. Where it's like, why are they doing all these like you know why they have all these people there developing these new elements to the the website that have nothing to do with what anyone who uses Patreon wants? Because you have to show the venture capital people that you're doing something to yeah. value add. You, yep. have to sh- you have to show the, the people that are throwing millions of dollars at you, what are you doing to plus it? That's, what they, you know, that's the, the terminology in, in the meetings they have, I'm sure. I think what a lot of people don't get who maybe don't know anything about stocks or maybe just have a 401k or whatever, I think what they don't get is that when a stock price goes down, that is essentially the company's value mm-hmm. going down. So they basically calculate a company's valuation based upon how many stocks are out there and what the stock price is. And if you have a big sell-off, literally, like you could lose half of your company's value in like a week. And that is actually what's happened to Activision Blizzard in the last 12 months. It has lost half of its valuation. So it, this, in, in this, so this isn't like, okay, they announced layoffs and, or they're, and they beat their targets and then their stock fell. It's been falling for quite a while. And it's been because of mismanagement between all the prop. So I think the, the clearest example of it is Destiny and Bungie. Mm-hmm. This huge investment, this huge announcement, it was supposed to shepherd Activision Blizzard into this new frontier. And two games later, it's done. And the company's off making money for somebody else. Call of Duty, still doing good, but it's not doing well enough to pull the whole card anymore. Blizzard, can you think of anything good that's happened with Blizzard since they were merged with Activision? When did they merge with Activision? Uh, five years ago? Actually, I thought they'd been merged with Activision for a long time. Maybe it has been like seven years. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um... Well, Overwatch was kind of a hit. Yeah, I'm not saying that they haven't had hits. Right. I'm saying as a company, as with a company culture, can you see any positive influences that Activision has had on Blizzard? Uh, not beyond mostly leaving them alone. We haven't seen increased output from Blizzard. No. If anything, it's gotten worse. They have no new games to release this year. They put Again. Diablo 3 in a bunch of stuff. Right. Yeah. But that's <laughs> what they're not, doing. Yeah. They're just distributing their content out to new platforms. Mm-hmm. They're not creating new products. How many rumors have we heard about this game or that game that's been under development at Blizzard and then it just gets canceled? Like some of them have been pretty far along before they're finally canceled. And who knows mm-hmm. where that's coming from? Is it coming from Blizzard? Is it coming from Activision? Blizzard's Based upon what's of- happened with Blizzard's Destiny. always had a had a tendency to kind of like we're going to work on this thing. If it's not yeah. perfect, we're just going to walk keep away working from it. on it or walk away. Yeah. One of the, I mean, Starcraft. Either Ghost, they, either Starcraft they... Ghost, they did both. Right. <laughs> Project Titan, they did the latter, but then they took the the meat of it and turned it into Overwatch. Right. Which is funny that then uh, 
Project Titan became Overwatch, and then Titanfall 3 became Overwatch Battle Royale. Yeah. Uh, Apex Legends. Yeah. Don't, don't put Titan in the name of things. I think that might be the, yeah. the, the lesson here. It might be. Um, but can you think of any, in any way that Blizzard has improved since it became a part of Activision? Mm, I mean, like in terms of output? I don't know. Or any way. Any way at all. They, I think they make more money now. Do they? I think so. They still, they're still pretty profitable. I mean, they don't, they don't make the money hand over fist in terms of uh, the, the Warcraft subscriptions anymore. But they, I think they still do okay. I don't know. I, Blizzard's kind of a non-entity to me uh, outside of Overwatch. Like, I don't... I haven't played World of Warcraft since Cataclysm. Um, I played Diablo 3 when that came out, and then I played it when it came on the PS4, and that was enough. And uh, nothing... I mean, StarCraft 2 was fine. Like... I don't know. Blizzard has has not set my world on fire probably since uh, my you know I got real deep into World of Warcraft and Burning Crusade and Wrath of the Lich King. I played Diablo two way too much in two thousand, but that was twenty years ago. Um, I don't know. Blizzard is not a tremendous entity in my gaming habits. I've never been a huge Blizzard fan because typically there is RTS. MMOs, mm-hmm. two, two of my least favorite genres. They are the, the best Vikings at making. <laughs> uh, I, do, I did like Overwatch. I didn't stick with it like a lot of people yeah. have, but I enjoyed the first couple months that I played it. But what's happening is you're starting to see the revenues from all these projects and these products start to dwindle. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Activision definitely and Blizzard not, has nothing it to put in their place. They're definitely not in the position, like, because for a while their Blizzard could do whatever they wanted because World of Warcraft made them so much money right. that they could... You know, it's they, kind they, of where Epic is right now with, yeah, with yeah, Fortnite. Yeah, Epic could do anything they want right now because Fortnite is always going to pay for it. Yep. Um, I've, you know, World of Warcraft. World, World, World I do of the Warcraft, same thing with that title. I, I, um, I always do that. Yeah, World of Warcraft, uh, you can't have a lazy mouth when you say that game's name. Nope. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's obviously not the juggernaut it used to be, but I, I'm still that's Still making well. money. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's generating profit, but... Yeah. So this goes back to what we're talking about, about the expectations of right. stockholders. It's, it's not good enough to make enough money from World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. It's not good enough that Overwatch is the, I'm guessing, third most played game mm-hmm. in the world right now. It's not good enough. It's not, I don't think it's good enough for the stockholders. I don't think it's good enough for Bobby Kotick either. Yeah, well, Bobby Kotick's only worth $7 billion. He's Yeah. <laughs> He's got to keep up. I mean, he's the one that's driving the train. Mm -hmm. He's the one who's setting expectations for the company. So so do you think, in light of what happened with all this, do you think, uh, does that give us some clarity on who told who to go away with the Destiny thing? Does does this look more like Activision basically cut Bungie loose because they were not producing I mean, look, when you have a contract like that, you have to have two to tango. You can't just say, we're kicking you off the contract. You have to agree to a settlement to dissolve the existing contract. So I don't think we can say it was just Activision, Blizzard, kicking Bungie out. But it does seem to me that like... The timing. The timing is there and also sort of, if you don't look stellar on our earnings call, we don't want you at all sort of thing. I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but um, <laughs> but it feels like it feels like that thing that sort of like with you know like with EA where it's like you know Battlefield 5 sold 7.3 million copies and we consider it a sale a sales disappointment. It's yeah. like well okay at a certain point you do it to yourself. You like know? I wouldn't be surprised at all if 
Activision. Meanwhile, Darksiders 3 is apparently successful. Well, they sold 100,000 copies, and that's all they needed to sell. Yeah. So, there's but, a, but there's, you're right. There's we'll, something we'll to be said about managing expectations. We'll get to that part in a saying. second. But I, I would not be surprised if Activision Blizzard went to Bungie and said, look, we're doing huge cuts mm-hmm. in the next month, and you need to be a part of that. And I could see Bungie saying, you know what? This isn't what we signed up for. Can we work something out here? And then the two get together. Also, you got to keep in mind that in the eyes of the stockholders, Bungie wasn't all that great of a purchase because no. they, they were led to believe that Destiny and Destiny 2 and Destiny 3 were going to sell 15 million copies apiece. And instead, they sold 8 to 10. That's 60% of what they expected. So stockholders are like... I can see why you would, you know, if, you, if all you knew was the people who made Halo right. are making these things for us. Yep. I and that's see, all they did know. know, most stockholders. Yeah. And so they're like, what? It only sold 8 million? Why are these other games over here selling 20, 30, 40 million? This, isn't that why we got these guys? Yeah. Why didn't they make Overwatch? Right. Yeah, exactly. Why aren't they the guys that made this game? Or why, why haven't they made the game that took over for Overwatch when it inevitably went through its curve and was on the downside of the curve? It's the other problem too is that Activision has painted itself into a corner where it doesn't do anything else. It has Blizzard's games and it has Call of Duty. But all its other franchises that used to be there yearly, Tony Hawk, Guitar Hero, all that stuff, it's all gone. So now it's all Blizzard stuff that's gonna keep them alive and Call of Duty. And I think stockholders are starting to figure it out. They're like, wait a minute, we have Call of Duty and we have Blizzard, which puts out one game every like four yeah. years. I would definitely, if I were a, a major stockholder in Activision, I would definitely be a little concerned. I would be selling my stock how, right now. Well, it's the kind of thing. I'd, be, um, I'd get out as soon they, as I they, could. Uh, you know, they used to have a, a much more diverse uh, portfolio catalog. Yeah, and like over-specializing you breed in weakness, as Major Kusanagi would say. Yep. And uh, it feels like okay, if if you lose your dominance with COD. What is your company now? Which is, it's slipping. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it's I'm not, not selling I'm like not predicting, I'm not predicting that Call of Duty is suddenly going to like get knocked off the throne, but weirder things have happened in this industry. I mean, it's kind of teetering there right now. It doesn't sell like it used to. No, but anything, anything can happen. I mean, look it at, wasn't the best selling game of last year. Yeah. Think about that. And it was, beat, was beaten by a game that was out for less time. It got beaten by Cowboys. Yeah. Think about that. That's weird. It is weird. And this year, you have Infinity Ward making the game, which mm. have proven to be the worst Call of Duty games, without a doubt. Even Sledgehammer has become a better Call of Duty developer than Infinity Ward at this point. I mean, things are looking well, bleak. I like their Infinity Ward's games better. I like the first two Modern Warfare's were great. Well, those are different people. So, Modern right. Warfare 3, not good. Uh, and then... But I like Infinite, Infinite Warfare. I thought that was a really yeah, that good game. Yeah, that was great. It was a great campaign. Just, it didn't sell, yeah, it which, didn't is, sell which is the well. same thing as being terrible right. <laughs> it in, in this context. Like it, it is the same thing. But Activision is kind of at this point where it doesn't have a lot of options left. And it's mm-hmm. kind of shocking to me that well, it's, also it's put in so this many place. Of developers in the COD basket. Like, right. You forget, like, all these companies, all these developers that used to make all these other games, like High Moon and all the... Yep. They're all still there. They're just making, making Call Raven. Of Duty. Like, they're all making Call of Duty. Yeah. And it's like... This, you're just a giant Call of Duty factory now, which I guess at the time was a safer bet, but it's getting to a point where like maybe you need to start putting out things that aren't just Call of Duty. Yep. I mean, but even, then they're going to look at it like, well, we'll sell 20 million of those. So what are the Skylanders guys doing? <laughs> you don't want to make a Call of Duty games, I'll tell you that. Maybe the Skylanders guys should make 
Call of Duty Landers. Like a Toys to Life <laughs> yeah, game yeah. on Call of Duty? All the little toy soldiers. That's when you know Activision has reached the end of the rope. Um, but let's, So let's talk a little bit more about the personal angle of this. 800 people lost their jobs. Mm. And I, our friends have been very, very lucky. All our friends that work at Blizzard have kept their jobs. Well, this. most of the layoffs were like, uh, they were administrative, like you know, more like structural things. They were, now, I don't, I, I don't agree with the kind of the people that's like, oh, well, they weren't developers, so it doesn't matter. No, because <laughs> they're human beings. They're, oh, they're human beings. Also, if you work at a game developer, you make video games. Yeah. I don't care if you just balance the books or you yeah. like schedule you're a video you game schedule developer. the lunch time like whatever you do part of the job it's part you know the person yeah. who puts the food out also helped make the movie like yeah. the actors gotta eat you know like yeah if they don't eat they don't have a good yeah. take someone had it, it someone had to feed tom cruise together like exactly. that matters yeah it and does believe matter. me tom cruise cares <laughs> he does <laughs> you think Tom Cruise cares that you pays 10 bucks to see the movie more than the guy who gave him the good sandwich? No, he no, does not. He, he likes the sandwich He liked guy. that sandwich. <laughs> he hung upside down for four hours and then he got to have a nice sandwich. So, like, so, yeah, I don't think, I think that's a disingenuous, like, take. It's like, oh, well, they weren't real developers, so who cares? No, that's bullcrap. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, I do think it's not as connected to the, the, the success of things as people would like to think. Like, you know, because, you know, if something is not, performing you have to restructure and that's going to end up causing some job loss that's a thing it's and this is the time of year that that happens like we've seen this over and over right around the midweek of february either game trailers goes away or machinima gets shut down yeah. or this is where this is where I mean, you, it happens in all industries yeah because you want to make it look to the investors on that earnings call that like look we're doing it we're, we we're making we're, we're, we know we're making it happen happy yeah. and we're gonna do something to make you happy but when you're like we when you open that call with we made more money than we ever have before while the other hand is stabbing 800 Shoving people, people out the door out the yeah. you know out the window it's just like that's a bad look and then meanwhile you you know you what was, what was it pc gamer ran that article was like great. pc gamer yeah ubisoft ubisoft record profits. record profits fires no one right. kind of thing yeah. doesn't lay off 800 people and it's like yeah like it, those two things are not necessarily one-to-one cause and effect but there's an optics situation and there's also sort of like how did you get to that point situation yeah it's like yeah i i don't know specifically all the different people again so it was esports i'm sure part of that was uh you know they seem to be winding down the heroes of the storm thing uh well they, they're to the point out, that i keep forgetting heroes of the storm is, is a thing i think they've just realized that it's never gonna win right. um they are putting out a new expansion for that like mm-hmm. here in the next month but it I seems think, like but... they're they're not pushing it as an oh, esport yeah. oh. to the, i mean they're they're dude there is a while where heroes of the storm had a new trailer every day Every single day. Wow. Without fail. Like, I, it boggled my mind that they could find stuff to make trailers about every day. <laughs> and at a certain point, we were just like, I think we're just going to stop curating these. Because no one was watching and no one cared. And now here we are mm-hmm. with it, you know, teetering on. So you throw all your ba- eggs in the Overwatch League basket and uh, see where you go. It's not going to go very far. I mean, if there's one thing we know about esports right now, it's that people have not figured out how to adequately monetize them. Mm-hmm. As far as getting the money back that they're investing, yeah, into no one's it. figured that model out yet. Nope, it's still like an, a, a a specter that people are mm-hmm. trying to catch. It's so weird to see. Like it's like, here's this thing that millions and millions of people are I interested know. in and watch and spend their time on, and you can't figure out a way to squeeze money out of them. It's like, 
it's like the ultimate capitalism puzzle. <laughs> it really is. It's like, yeah. how can we... We can't figure out how to properly exploit these people. That's there really has to is. be a way. Well, I think part of it and is that the people are really savvy and smart. That and that they doesn't know yeah. when people are trying to swindle them. Mm-hmm. These kids have grown up with the internet since the day they were born. It's like, it showed up for me when I was like 18 or 19 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, these kids grew up with cell phones, yeah. grew up with the internet, grew up with apps. Like, and like you don't grew up see... with really shady marketing. Well, also like being very, like, there's an expectation that the younger kids have of how marketing works that I find fascinating. Like, my niece, who's... Uh, she's 10 and so she, well, she she doesn't watch a lot of TV but she watches streaming stuff and YouTube stuff and, da, 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 and, like sometimes, kids, and sometimes yeah. ad, ads come on and she gets very an- annoyed when the ad is for something she already has oh interesting and I'm like well yeah the ad is just trying to she's like well why doesn't it know I have that why would it show me something I already have meanwhile that's something like, adults are complaining about I'm like that is fascinating <laughs> like that, i find that fucking amazing it's pretty weird like i'm like yeah because you know we just sat in front of the damn tv and it showed us all this stuff we and didn't we care about we just sort of ignored it like, whatever like, and it's like yeah i don't care about it but you know what i can still sing you the freaking mask theme song can i you know and and so yeah so we were just being having earworms injected yeah. for all these products we don't ever even care about like how you know if you watch a fucking parquet commercial margarine means more to you than like the fact that that was being advertised to you just remember that those taglines but here's this new generation that's like everything i see and all my entertainment is custom designed to be what i care about what i want and what i'm interested in why aren't the ads that way too and i'm like i'll say this so so her problem is almost that the algorithms are not are not intrusive (laughs) enough i know like why That's does crazy. why don't these companies have a, a detailed why aren't they list spying on me so of they everything, everything I've ever purchased? I will say this, like you know how, how fascinating. It I is think crazy. That's, that is how you get to Cyberpunk 2077, <laughs> people. Like that is how that happens. I will say this, like everybody, I've noticed that when you Google something, then all of a sudden ads for whatever you Google just start getting. And I mean, I've Googled stuff on my PC. And then had ads for what I Googled on my PC show up on my phone. Yeah. So everybody's kind of accepted that at this point. But I have also found, like your niece, that when I Google something and then I buy it, the ads keep coming. Yes. So, like, I got a new pair of Nike shoes. And I was Googling around looking for, like, the new shoes that I wanted to buy. And then I found them. I bought them from Nike.com. All good. And then for, literally, I still, Facebook everywhere all i get is ads for nike shoes still months well, I, and months later well i still get stuff for uh, like i need to be able to tell looking, google bought it because i went looking for uh <laughs> i needed a dining room table and chairs yeah. and i bought those and i still get ads for done like yeah. how many of these do you think i need there like, needs to be some kind of a service that you can I'm good where you can I'm, just click yeah. and say bought it leave <laughs> me the f alone like unsubscribe but your niece is like no no no, no. i want that that's what she wants because that's mm. all she's known and uh, I think that, that is, that's kind of the, the divide between our generations, I think, is that we, we look at advertising and marketing a lot differently than the younger audience do. And I think they're kind of at loggerheads with each other. And I think it's causing problems with companies trying to figure out how do we do this. There's an, to us, advertising is more or less an intrusion. Yeah. And to her, and I think a lot of, maybe a little older than her too, I think like maybe under 20s, um, 
it's interesting that like they they seem to have maybe an element of the advertising where they don't understand why the advertising doesn't foster the same parasocial relationship that the YouTube or streaming right. people have. You know, like because so much of their entertainment is based around sort of watching strangers act like you're they're your friends. Yeah. You know, or like or or you're in a friendly situation where they're opening a new toy or they're doing, or they're streaming a game and you're sort of hanging out. There's that parasocial thing where like. You know, you don't, and that even happened when I was, I was at a screening of, uh, of uh, a movie, and I saw a YouTuber I know. I, I watched uh, the, the, the video reviews they do on movies, and I was like, oh, I should go say, and I'm like, what would I say to this person? Beyond, cause I <laughs> you don't feel, know me, but I know yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> you feel like you know them, and you know their opinions on things, but to, to them, you're just like a rando. Just anybody, and it's just yeah. like, well, no, I guess maybe I won't, because that's strange, but like, yeah. I mean, because they're not really a celebrity, that's not no. an expectation we have of them, yeah. but like... I can see with with uh, with my niece and some other like you know teenagers that like some are, are you know my older friends have, they have a weird frustration where advertising doesn't give that same parasocial sort of jolt, and they don't understand why the people who do ads don't do that. Right. And I'm like because they don't they haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. You know, it's because to them it's like way more important that their favorite streamer says I really like this gaming chair. Right. Like that is going to sell them that Vertigear chair oh, yeah. way faster than any, any number of amazing, perfectly produced thirty-second ads. Yeah, and so somewhere in there, there's there's the key to unlocking how that works in this new esports era. But I don't know what it is, and if anyone does know what it is, please start your own consulting business because you will You'll be get very, very rich. rich. Very, very. I have people that are just starting to work in esports that reach out to me for like yeah. consulting. This is, like, this is the biggest puzzle box in marketing right now. Yeah. I mean, I think they just are at this point, they're just throwing out to anyone. They're like, mm-hmm. maybe somebody will come up with the magic bullet on how to monetize this stuff and yep. make money. And it's not an easy nut to crack. Anyway, back to Activision and Blizzard. How do we avoid this? Or can you avoid it? A lot of people are throwing out like union, unionization of developers. Yeah. I mean, union is, here's the thing. So the union thing uh, on this, it wouldn't have stopped the, uh, it would not have stopped the layoffs. Uh, at least I don't think they would have. The problem is that I, I think what one of the reasons unions are brought up a lot in, the, in this, on this particular news story is because we've known more or less that this was coming since about November. Yeah. Like somewhere right before Thanksgiving, like people were, were the, 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 the rumors were the word was that like, yeah, there's layoffs coming at Blizzard. Like something's happening. The esports stuff is getting looked at. And no matter what the employees and people over there did, the company kept saying, no, no, we den-. they denied it constantly. Of course, clearly they were denying something that was true. You know, you, you know that's coming if you're in the upper echelons of a company. So the idea is that like a, a union or some kind of union-esque organization for the employees there would may, maybe not have been able to stop it, but they would have been able to maybe force a negotiation or force an admission right. so that these people could have been you know, more forewarned and more prepared for what was about to happen. Um, which is, a, you know, to me, I think is a very fair thing to want to know that this, yeah. is, this is coming. You know, yep. If you're already planning it, it's not like, every, you know, we got fired two months before G4 ended. It's not like we stopped making our shows. Yeah. Like, we still did our work. It's just like, but we knew two months ahead of time we got a plan for this, and we appreciated that. Yeah. You know? Like, it makes a big difference. Yeah, you know, and there's legal stuff that forces you to do a certain amount of yeah. legwork like, as a company. You have to treat the employee a certain way. But it's like, there's no harm in that kind of transparency, especially in, a, in an industry as volatile as game development, where you might, you know, say you get laid off at Blizzard, 
do you have to move to another city now? You know, it's not like you can just, you know, it's not like some most industries you can get another job in that same yeah, place somewhere working nearby. in our industry is really weird like there's people i know who traveled you know other countries to find these i know, know and it's purely because they got laid off and now i live in england you know so it's like well, it's, it's like it's when you talk crazy. with someone or like you know i talked with my wife and they're like a oh, potential places where you could ever live like i always have to think about okay well is the industry there yeah at all and in most cities, no, it's not. No, there are definite dead zones. Yeah, I mean, most of the country is a dead zone. I mean, L.A. kind of is. It, it, I mean, at this point, not it for, is. Not for media so much, but like in terms of development, there's well, like... games media it very, is. Very I mean, little. all that's left for games media here is us indie guys. Yeah. It's like us and Easy Allies and IGN, Colin Moriarty. IGN, IGN has an office here. Most IGN's people don't realize that, here. but they do. They have an office here. But yeah, I mean, there's tons of media here. Games media, it's just people like us there's not real big conglomerates like now that machinima's oh, gone machinima's gone too yeah i mean there's just nothing it's a wasteland here and if you start thinking about like okay well what cities do have the games industry i mean new york kinda yeah like not raleigh new york. new york has never been really it's just no. rockstar rockstar raleigh north carolina kinda yeah there's stuff there yeah still. but it's all here it's all in California. Yeah. There's a little bit in Texas, a little bit in Seattle. Game Informer's still in Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> the last gaming magazine. The, la- the last, up in, up in the frozen north. And you want to know why they're still surviving? It's because they're there. Yeah. Where the cost of living is dirt cheap, and they probably ha- rent their office for like $1,000 a month. Like, here's, here's a question on that. So, okay, I, I don't think it's a crazy prediction to say that GameStop is going to be in chapter 13 by the end of the end of the year chapter 11 end of the year, year. Mm, maybe not the end of the year but but soon getting there yeah like it's it's coming yeah what happens to game informer if game GameStop goes down i honestly i can't even comment on that because i have not been briefed on how its current situation works if you were asked me this question eight years ago i'd have said the game informer would go away but I don't know. Like, Game Informer could have got to a place where it's weaned itself off, like that whole thing it had going on with GameStop. I don't know. Um, so it's not really fair for me to comment on it. But eight years ago, GameStop saved Game Informer. Right. I know that for a fact. So it's hard for me to think that all these years later, the situation has gotten better for a magazine, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just don't feel comfortable commenting on it. But it's not good for Game Informer if GameStop goes away. That much I can definitely say. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, going back to what what can be done to stop this, I mean, unionization, the, most of the people that were laid off here weren't really developers. They yeah. Were, they were people who worked on the edges of the organizations. And one thing that they did say is that, like, this part of this restructuring is so that we can start making more games. So... I don't know. I know. I know. I'll say this: If I owned Activision Blizzard stock, I would sell it right now. Um, if not, if already. you haven't already, yeah. I would sell it right now because it's not going up. A lot of people are very frustrated about Take Two because Take Two, Red Dead comes out, outsells Call of Duty, definitely on a pathway to be one of the best-selling games of all time, just like GTA is, and the stock has gone down since Red Dead came out. And what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of times a product is baked into a stock price before that product launches. So the stockholders know it's coming. Um, 
is well publicized. Obviously, Red Dead had been in development for like eight years or whatever. A lot of times, the stock price when the product launches already has that value mm. baked into it. And then when the product comes out, they're like, well, we're not going up from here. It's only going to go down. And that's when you start seeing people start selling off their stock. Even Take-Two mm. has gone down since Red Dead came out. So there, I don't think there's any solution to the stock problem. There's, there's no solution to mega corporations laying off people even though they have great quarters it's just it's always going to happen because as you were talking about it's this insane demand for growth apple gets it worse than anyone apple does grow and does grow its revenue but because they can't come up with another idea that's as mind-blowing as the iphone people are like you're just you're a disappointment mm -hmm. so a lot of it comes to do or has to do with expectations. So you've already sold phones to literally half the people on the planet on the planet but now you need to do more and it's yeah. like what else so is there to apple do? we need you to start breeding people so that you can create more people to sell your phones to right. i mean that's the position that apple's in right now just to show you how ridiculous it gets so the answer is you don't sell to these giant corporations you don't merge with them you don't sign with them. Sometimes you can't stop it. There are hostile takeovers. They can come in, and if you're public, they can buy more than half of your stock and take control. But really, the idea is you need to stay independent. You need to stay private. And that's the only way you can avoid this stuff. Because if or you're you, a part of corporate America, it's going to happen. Or you get into kind of like, like Microsoft doesn't seem to have this sort of thing. Like corporate culture is a big part of it. Corporate culture is different, but also like they don't seem to bow to the shareholders in the way no, you're right. some of these other companies do. Well, it's like uh, one of the questions on Pactor Factor, a recent episode that just went up on YouTube was, is it smart to let fans tell you how to design your games? <laughs> and Pactor was like, no, is, you should listen to them, and mm. maybe one of them will come up with a genius idea. His example was uh, the, the flashlight on the shotgun which was a user-made mod because Doom 3. in Doom 3 because yeah. you had to like you had a separate button for the oh, light yeah. and for the gun and it drove people crazy and a customer was like you know what I'm just gonna make a mod that just tapes the flashlight to the gun brilliant so Pac saying listen to your fans because they may come up with stuff like that but when you're talking about like the the machinations of how your finances work and your release schedules or even just game development what it motivates people to spend money you should not listen to them and oh wow it was very interesting to watch the comments because what you found is the older folks like us were like absolutely you are on the money all the kids are like you're insane we're the ones that run this industry without us you don't have a job like they just went off the deep end because like, now the most important thing about being most important thing to learn about being a hardcore fan of something is that by being a hardcore fan of it you do not matter anymore. You do not matter. You are the given. You are the given. The given. And there are not enough of you to matter. Yep, absolutely. It. But it was funny watching these kids lose their minds because they have been raised to think that their opinion on everything matters. Well, of everything. Course. Everything in the world is a comment section and a like button yep. now. So, of course, the, their opinion matters. It what, is are you, interesting. what are you, crazy? But it was interesting to watch, yeah. though. It was split right down the middle. Young kids, you're crazy. If you don't listen to your fans, you're going to fail. Older folks are like, oh my gosh, you've been making games for 20 years. You should listen to what you're saying. Yeah. And most developers, maybe not most publishers, but most developers know a good idea when they see one. Yeah. Especially when it comes down to the kind of mod. Guess what you see? A lot of the, you know, a lot of big requests for things do get implemented later in DLC. You know, yep. like, um, I would say a lot of people that asked for it didn't deserve it, but Insomni Insomniac had that Raimi Spider-Man suit ready to go. I yep. mean, it's not like they just started doing that when you first mentioned it, folks. But, yep. like, 
they they knew people wanted it and they delivered it and uh, maybe they maybe they were playing with people a little bit there but that's, that's okay that's fine um, you know tons of games have been adding new game plus options because people request those and that's a thing you know, and uh, yeah I've seen, but it's like there's a weird kind of myopia on things like that within the community where like people are like well why don't they launch with new game plus and it's like because no one needs new game plus at launch you don't finish the like, game like of all the features <laughs> to add after release that one makes the most sense because you still have to finish the that's game. why it's called plus like if you i mean time is of is, is the most valuable resource you have in the run-up to launching a game and polishing it and getting period it ready. And a story in any walk of life, time is yeah. the most valuable commodity. And you if have. you don't have to spend time on something to get it out the door, you don't. You don't. And New yeah. Game Plus, by definition, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you add yeah. it later, and it's a good reason to go back to a game and play it again and add some value. And yeah. like, but like, you you still see people who's like they want everything now. They don't want it in you know. Um, yeah, like I I think there's a there's a conversation to be had between you know the creative and the audience, and there's a limit to which you can take that feedback on board because yeah. otherwise you're just making a game, making a thing for this tiny little group of people that may or may not have the ideas that are going to, you know, and if, and if you do listen to that tiny group of people and uh, it gets away from you, you end up a star citizen. Yeah. Here's one thing I would say is that. Which just, which just by the way, uh, announced tugboats. You can buy, <laughs> I'm not kidding. You can buy. A spaceship now in Star Citizen for $160, and its entire function is to tow Another damaged spaceships. Ship. Yes, <laughs> and you can do that right now. But the, the the caveat is, the the tugboat ship isn't in the game yet. Ships cannot be damaged to the point of not being able to run in the game. You can't tow things yet in the game, and there's no way to. Show someone where you are to go tug you in the game. They so, just came up with an idea. But you can you can spend 160 bucks on it because the the people have people the hardcore group that loves that game and throws tons of the, the whales Gibbons. the Gibbons have, the Gibbons yeah. have all desperately want because there's this the the hardcore fan base of that game what they want is tedium. Well, they, they also they want, want tedium as they also want the value of all paradigm. this stuff that they've bought to go up. Right. And if it appears that the market is starting to get shaky and people aren't buying stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. That's where the value of all the stuff you've already bought starts to go down. But the key is, like, what I'm saying is, like, if you look at, like, you know, so there, people are very excited about this tugboat thing. You can, <laughs> for 600-something bucks, you can even get a fleet of them. <laughs> so you can have, you can run, like, a towing service. So it's like, so imagine wow. what that means, though. Imagine, so now, so now people want, it's like, oh, I really want to tow things. I'm like, cool, okay. Like, I mean, you really, that's what you want out of your space sim, okay. <laughs> but, like. So imagine if that's the game mechanic. So you're in a you're d- driving your space freighter or whatever. You get damaged, and all of a sudden your freighter can't run anymore. So you got to sit in the middle of you're, you're drift in space. Yeah. So you got to you gotta call a player run towing service and wait for them to get to you. This is and why tow I play video games to, to get the... away from this crap. <laughs> Who wants to deal with a tow truck in a video and game? We've, and we've seen what you know the the size you're of the crazy. places and getting to places and yeah. warping. That's gonna take. Hours, so that's why you don't. Because yeah. It's like otherwise we would end up doing things like that in games all the time because like the people who want to disappear any of these things are hardcore fans of things come up with ideas like this and if you listen too hard because they're the ones throwing hundred bucks at you a day, this is what happens. Yeah. So yes, listen in moderation. Here's here's the last thing I would say on this. We've reached an inflection point where we know this is going to happen. 
We've seen it at EA. It's closed countless studios. We're seeing it at Activision. We've seen it. It's how, how many yeah, polishes have we seen? You if you're at Bioware right now, you might want to be paying yeah, attention. Yeah. yeah. So how many times have we seen just at almost every publisher, you finish a game, we're cutting 40% of the staff, literally like two days after it launches, two days after ship date. So developers know this now. Yeah, it's part of the, it's part of the ebb it and flow a, of the it cycle. It is a part of the job now. So if you want to take a job at a big studio, working for an EA, working for a Ubisoft, working for an Activision, go there, enjoy the higher salary you're probably going to get, enjoy the better benefits you're going to get, enjoy the paid leave when you have a kid while it lasts, but just know that you could lose your job pretty much any day. Mm -hmm. And if you want to avoid that, then you need to look for jobs with smaller companies that have better corporate culture and don't live or die based upon the stock price. And it's like, for the first few years this has been going on, I had a lot of sympathy for the developers, but now it's like, look, this, this isn't a secret anymore. This isn't the carpet getting yanked out from underneath you. This is what happens in game development when you work for a company that is publicly held. So I feel like we've given developers a long grace period, understandably well-deserved as they should, but now it's not a secret anymore. It's not a surprise anymore. You know what the risks are when you sign on with a huge corporation that it has a trillion dollar valuation. Mm -hmm. you, you get the good stuff out of that, you get the benefits, you get the bonuses, you get all this, but there are bad sides to it too. And I think at a certain point, developers need to accept that there are good and bad at working for those companies well, the, and decide accordingly. Well, the solution for several people I know in that regard has been to stop working in game development. Yep. And you that's know, a choice too. Because if you can do what you need to do to make games, you can also do what you need to do to make non-game software. Yep. And those industries tend to be a little more stable. Oh, they're right stable now. and they probably pay more. Yeah. And you probably work 40 hours a week. So the concern there is like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. But at the same time, those practices, if they don't change, are chasing a lot of talent out of this industry. Or they're chasing that talent to new corners of the industry where... At indie studio, I mean, we're seeing it. Look at how many yeah. indie studios well, have been well, started by people who used to work on Halo, this is or used true, to work on Assassin's but Creed. Like, or my caveat to that would be like, you know, because we haven't really talked about a larger economic picture on this, and judging by a lot of the economic forecast stuff right now, the recession's coming. Yeah, next year could be real unpretty. Especially if you're looking at some of the the warning markers that economists yeah, like to no, look at, I've and, been and, it, and obviously economist stuff is. There's a lot of guesswork. Not There's absolutely. A lot of it, yeah. you, know, you never know. It's, it's, not, it's not the exact science economists would like you to think it is. I know, yeah. Yeah, I know that. But there's some, there's some stuff that's concerning. And I am concerned, curious, and a little terrified of if something as bad as, say, even the recession that was around when we were, you know. In 07? Not even 07. I mean, that, that would mean 2008 was bad. Uh, it was also a specific result of a certain thing. This is more of a, a general malaise uh, setting in, which is more related to kind of the early 90s recession. Um, now, escapist entertainment tends to be pretty safe from that kind of a recession because yeah. people, entertainment. people still will go see movies. They still yeah. want that. You know, like, I, I know people I've seen... That's when they start be, looking for value. And, that's and why they've been concerned about like, oh, maybe, well. it's a, maybe it's a bad time to launch a new system. It's like, well, no, because people will always prioritize Game sales didn't escape. dip in 07 or 08 at all. No. Because when you start to look at it, video games are a great entertainment value. Right. But that's still going... That, that situation, that economic situation, 
what that effect will have on sort of that indie world where right. you're sort of existing game to game, day to day. That that concerns me a little yeah. bit. So it, well, the good news is a lot of these guys have deep pockets because they, they did work for these big publishers for a long mm -hmm. time, and they did get those bonuses, and they did get those residuals. I mean, when you're the community manager at Activision and you're set for life because you were the community manager for a couple Call of Duty games, you can make a lot of money doing it. But the idea is you I bet can't the new blow it all. I bet the new community managers did not get that oh, deal. Oh, no, 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 no. They did not get that deal, guaranteed. Um, and he's complaining, too. Like, there was that... We're talking about Ryan Bowling, if you don't know. Ryan Bowling probably is the first recognizable community manager ever. He was kind of like the beginning of that job, really. A little bit. I mean, he was certainly the one that made it into a thing that people wanted to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he was complaining recently because... The, the games that he worked on are being re-released, and he's not getting residuals from those. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, for being a community manager at Activision, he made enough money that he started his own game development studio. And don't get me wrong, I love Ryan Bowling. He's a great guy. But holy cow, like that... <laughs> That's one of those things where you just got to recognize that you were very lucky to be in the right time at mm -hmm. the right place and just be like, I'm so glad I made what I did. Yeah, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Because that's the rumor. They, they said that uh, campaign, there's going to be campaign in this the year's new Call one, of Duty. Yeah. But the rumor going around is that it's a remaster, the remastered Modern Warfare 2 and 3. Oh. Um, I don't know if that's true. He's going to be real but. salty then. But that would that would line up with his thing of yeah more residuals for Ryan. Yeah, uh, he's good. You imagine if they had to pay. I mean, there is like a, an element of like if you if you made a, a hit game, you should probably get something later. But can you imagine if they had to pay residuals? That's the entire like two hundred person dev team every time they re. You never got a remaster. That would solve the remaster problem. It would, that would, that would be <laughs> real quick. All right, we got to move on. But uh, and look, I don't want to come off as not being sympathetic to the people who lost their jobs at Activision. I absolutely am. Um, but I think we've kind of reached this turning point where, okay, yeah, that's really crappy, but now you kind of need to expect that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's just a little bit. I just, it's still sort of that imbalance thing where it's just like the guy who runs that company is worth $7 billion. Oh, he makes like $100 million a year in salary yeah. and then gets like a 40% bonus. And who knows all the other stuff that's going on. Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, it's insane. Like when I was at Viacom... And uh, my guys, like like, it just, it just, my junior guys, were making hardly anything. Like Patrick Morales and Daniel Bloodworth and all those guys, they came in at such a low salary because when I hired them, it was like GT was starting up. And like we had a ton of money, but they're like, look, we, the one thing we can't commit to is big salaries because that's forever. And so they're like, this is what you can start your guys at, period. And you can't get a penny more. So they all started really low. And it was just a fight for me every year to get any money for those guys any i mean they're making so little that if they get like the typical three percent raise which is what most corporations just give as a cost of living raise it's nothing three percent of nothing is nothing and so it was very hard for me as a manager to have to go and talk to them after i went to bat and literally i mean i was like an asshole to a lot of people trying to get those guys raises all the time and to have to go to them and say, man, I fought as hard as I could. This is what I got you. I know it's not much. I feel terrible about it. And then they would send me a link to like the CEO of Viacom who just got a bonus for $40 million. And we're ask I'm asking for like a $2,000 a year raise for one of them. And I'm getting turned down. It's like, 
it's hard to rationalize. For any normal human being, it's hard to rationalize. But that's capitalism, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. That's America. It's, it hasn't gotten any better, and it's probably only going to get worse, unfortunately. So, and that's kind of my point, which at this point, we kind of know what the expectations are. The developers know what the expectations are. It's just frustrating are. to see a company like Activision that just is so... Not just fame, it's just it's infamous for not reinvesting in its own talent and its own yeah. people. And it's they look at them all as interchangeable all the time. And like that was, you know, yeah. that all the a lot of people I know who worked at Activision, they worked at Activision in part because um, it's so infamous as sort of a grind factory. Um, which I, that's no, that was a dance program on MTV. That's not the same. <laughs> grind. Was not what I was after there. Um, the show unsifted. The, uh, the <laughs> but like you know, and the, it was also like uh, the thing was like whatever you were doing, whatever your title was at Activision. At least this was true like ten years ago. Whatever the title was, you were probably doing the job of the next title up. I mean, I did but that if for I the title yeah. below for that amount of pay. So it was kind of assumed. Everyone else in the industry sort of assumed, like, if you were this level you're producer, a VP, or whatever, you're really an SVP. Or if you were like, if you're a director, if, you're really a VP. If you were like a you know a, a producer, you were a game director right. kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like you know it's or if you're associate producer, you were a, a, you're a, a, a project manager. Yeah. You're like, you know, so people would work there to get a certain level uh, of title, and then they could go to any other company. Uh, after they'd done one project on Smart. that title, That's to go to another do. company that would then give them a bump in title and a higher and salary, and, and they'd be working in a better place. And yep. so that was sort of the thing: was like you did your time at Activision to get a decent, like position at a, at a the company problem you wanted is it, to work The problem at. is it's not just Activision anymore; it's right. all of them. Well, also the problem is, the problem is that Activision used to have a diversity of portfolio that allowed you to allowed people to do that, and now it's just if you're not on Call of Duty. You're not working at Activision, pretty much. I mean, I mean, the truth of the matter is, salaries haven't gone up at all. No. In years. Years. Mm -hmm. Like, it's insane how no one in our country ever gets a raise. Ever. Mm -hmm. And the CEO just keeps taking all the extra money. It's, it's mind-boggling. But anyway, we need to move on. But, we can but, get on and talk about capitalism for the next but they, four hours. But, but they're creating so much value for the shareholders. For the shareholders. Infinitely. Yeah. Infinitely. And that's what they say, up too. Up and up and up. For and the up. shareholders. Yep. They don't care about anyone else. And that's the truth. And developers should know it by now. And uh, it's like you said, take what you can from it and move along. Yep. That's what you should do. And developers should know that by now. So I don't... Because there's... I mean, you don't have to run... There aren't many excuses. I realize like. it's, a, it's an economy of scale, but like you don't have to run a game studio like that. Yeah, you, you could don't. You could be Insomniac. Yep, absolutely. There's lots of studios that run things the right way. Oh, yeah. Tons of them. But, but again, when like you're you said, owned by a huge corporation, right. like you said, that's Insomniac, when it all changes. Insomniac's owned by Ted Price. Yeah, you know, it's Insomniac is, is their own their own master. Yep. And that's why Insomniac and wins best place to work. Yeah, in continually the United one States of the best small year. companies to work at in the uh, in not the just country. for video games, all Period. companies. Period. Like they yep. win that pretty regularly. They they got that multiple times. Yep. All right, let's move on to our last topic of tonight's show. We're going to talk about the other big game that came out today, and that is Far Cry. New Dawn. Matt, you've not played it at all because I told you no, not to. But I, but I have played other Far Cry games. Right. So and I feel like I'm... You'll be able to discuss the game. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. I have been playing it. Um, I'm, I don't know, eight, ten hours into it, something like that. Which, based upon reports, it sounds like I'm more than halfway done. Which is crazy for a Far Cry game. Because most Far Cry games you can play literally for 30 or 40 hours. Uh, this one is a spin-off. I should start by saying that this game costs 40 bucks. 
It is not a full price game. Mm-hmm. I was shocked to see that. I went on Amazon and I was like, okay, it is was, price lower. Was Primal full price? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. This one's not. It's $40. And uh, I've not finished the game, but reports say it's around 13 to 15 hours long, which means I'm about halfway through the game. Uh, not been getting great reviews. So when I was talking earlier about how if you keep releasing a game over and over, you kind of reach that saturation point. And I feel like at least with video game critics and editors that Far Cry is reaching that saturation point. That it's getting to a place where we're getting them too often and people are starting to push back a little bit against it. Yeah, well, it's almost yearly at this point. It, it is almost a yearly frame. I, you know what? I thought that though, Matt, and I, we went and looked and typically it's like once every two to three years. I was surprised well, to see that. Yeah, this is kind of an anomaly you, coming so, fa- fa- so but quickly. But Primal was a year after four, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was two years. I want to say that I think the, usually the the Primal weird, was a full game though. Also, yeah, but usually the weird spinoff that reuses the map of the numbered game is a year later. I think. Yeah. Well, this does absolutely use the map from yeah. Far Cry. Well, this 5. is the first time they've reused the map without pixel to pixel. Alter- <laughs> well, no, they, like they were pixel to pixel. Like Primal is the map from Far Cry Four. Period. Yeah. Like, but it's not supposed to be the same place. Oh, you know, it's it. a it's another world. Right. It's a, it's a this is the first time they've just been like, okay, we're not only reusing the map, we're reusing the setting. Yeah, this is I the mean, first time they've done that. Yeah, and so it doesn't look the same because you can even see in this trailer, and you'll see even more in the B roll, that it's it's like a day glow color palette. Hmm. So Far Cry Five obviously took place in Montana, out in the wilderness. It was all browns and greens and grays. For some reason, after the apocalypse, the most beautiful flowers have sprouted up from the ground, and the whole world is just covered in them. Not every mutation is ugly, Shane. Apparently not. <laughs> uh, Primal was one year and three months yeah. after four. I figured it was a little little closer to two. but So this is set 17 years after Far Cry 5. This is not even a, like, this happened yesterday, here's what happens today. This is 17 years after the end of Far Cry 5. Uh, for those of you who played Far Cry 5, the... Wow, that was a hard yeah. hit there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's Far Cry, so there's all kinds of weird physics stuff and things mm-hmm. like that in the game. But this is that 17 years after, a lot of the characters from Far Cry 5 are nowhere to be found in this. The main bad guy is, and his organization has changed... It's not about murdering people anymore. It's about fostering peace. It's kind of turned all hippy-dippy. And in fact, there's even some self-referential voiceover in the game where they talk about the fact that, oh, they just expect us to forget that they used to be murderers. But Hmm. for some reason, in the post-apocalypse, after the nuclear bomb that they were responsible for has dropped, people have forgiven them, and they've become like this hippie commune. The problem is there's this new group of people called the Highwaymen, and... It's very easy to tell them because they all dress like motocross stars and they all have day glow paint spread out all over their armor and they're it's very, all armored. It's very uh, considerate in open world games when like people dive out of the vehicle when you kill them. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just always appreciate that. It's just like, oh, I'm dead. I better get out in case My somebody needs My last act this. is I'm going to open the door <laughs> handle. <laughs> just in case somebody needs this vehicle. Yeah. I'm going to go. But honestly, for the first like six hours of the game, there is very little drawn between the two. Like you, they say it's 17 years after the nuclear apocalypse or whatever, but 
after that, they don't really mention anything that had to do with Far Cry 5 until like the middle part of the ga- the game. And that's where you get introduced back to the bad guy from Far Cry 5 and you start to understand what they're doing. But for the first seven hours of this game, you really, there's very little parallels between the two games. Other than that they say, oh, let's go to Hope County. And you know, Hope County was where the last mm. game was set. But otherwise, all new characters, all new scenarios. So all is the new whole situation. world nuked or is it just this area? They don't explain that, no. um, but it's. It, I'm kind of shocked at how quickly the 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 world has rebounded from a nuclear holocaust. Um, I don't know what how long it typically takes. Clearly, for like, a lot of auto mechanics survived. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, that's so that's one of the big changes for the game is there's crafting just like there has been in prior games, but the crafting in this game is much more like I have a two by four and a metal tube and some gunpowder. And I'm going to make a gun out of this. It's very, it's a lot more about scrapping and things like mm-hmm. that. Like the first gun that you actually craft in this is a crossbow that shoots saw blades. All right. So it's like a YouTube video. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like they don't have YouTube anymore, but if they did. Like they do have real guns, but most of the stuff that you craft is stuff like that. Just mm-hmm. these weird kind of contraption things that you just kind of put yeah. together with. Yeah, I mean, I can get behind that. Yeah, like it's, you know, we've had oh, the plenty gun's of real awesome. guns. Yeah, the gun is awesome. Like, I the saw launcher is freaking amazing. And not only does it launch saw blades, it ricochets. So I've taken out like four enemies with one blade before, where it, it bounces off one, goes to another, and just does like pinball through all the enemies. Hmm. And there's some strategy to it too. Like if an enemy is standing in front of a wall, instead of shooting the guy, you shoot the wall, and it bounces off the wall and comes off of him. And then keeps going and starts seeking out other enemies. So that's a change. The other most obvious change is that enemies now have the RPG bars above their heads mm. um, to make it seem like it's more of an RPG. But I'll be perfectly honest with you, it doesn't really play like it's any more of an RPG than Far Cry 5 did. It's, it's really just more cosmetic than anything else. Um, is there any element of, the, of like how the game plays that would demand that you know how much life your enemy has left? Um, not really. No. Because no. my solution to not having a life bar over enemies' heads tended to just be to shoot them in the head because then they died. Right. Well, the bullet, the enemies in this are not bullet sponges. That's the other thing, too. So it's not like a Destiny or an Anthem where you need to unload, mm-hmm. like, four clips into somebody. That's the it's other thing that's weird. change, then. And it's weird. Because there's the bars above their heads. You wipe them out so fast, it's literally just a flash of the bar just disappearing. Like, maybe later on... It gets a little more challenging, but one thing I found about this game is the more I've played it, the easier it has got. It is is not, at least so far, it has not been well balanced. Uh, the early parts of the game have proven to be the most challenging so far because you're working with crappy guns. Like, you have guns that are guns, but they all have iron sights, and they all have crazy recoil. Um, and then the one special weapon that you build just fires a single saw blade, and it takes forever to reload. Um, the game has become easier as I've played it, and you got better weapons, which, I don't know. I haven't finished it yet, so maybe it comes back around. Sometimes you have games that kind of give you peaks and valleys where it'll be like, okay, we're going to put you on easy street for the next hour. So maybe there's some other part of the game that you want to consume. You could do that without worrying about dying like every five minutes or whatever. Just took some pills to counteract the explosion you were just in. That's yeah, the, the health is handled with pills, and they're very slow because you actually take out a bottle and eat the pills. And it, looks like, wait. it looks like almost the same animation as taking the malaria pill in Far Cry 2. It's kind of the same, yeah. And then... Is this your blade 
crossbow. Yep, this is it. Yeah. So you can see that bounced off of that mm. car, off of that cart, and killed him. Can you dismember people? Um, I have not tried that, Matt. <laughs> I've not tried shooting them in the leg and see if it chops off their leg. I always aim at the head because I just want to kill. That the first him. thing you did. What'd you say? How is that not the first thing you oh, did I with know. a saw blade I know, I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible for not Jeez. trying to manipulate virtual I thought you people. were professional. <laughs> um, but otherwise, the structure's basically the same. There's little tweaks. So just like every other Far Cry, there are outposts. But the catch is the whole game is gated by ethanol. <laughs> What's that? There's skunks. Is that a boxcar full of oh, skunks? There's a boxcar full of skunks, yeah. A boxcar yeah. full of badgers? Yeah, those were skunks. Okay. But the whole game is gated by ethanol. There's no gasoline left. So ethanol is what they use to power everything. So any big mission you accomplish, basically how big the mission is, is measured by how much ethanol you get. Because the ethanol is what's used to build out your homestead, which is called prosperity. Mm. And so what you do is, the, and inside prosperity, there are there's basically places for health. There's a place where you can craft grenades there's places where you can be better at uh, at craft there's like different stations for each one you have to level up those separate stations with the ethanol and then once you level up enough of those stations then the whole establishment levels up as a whole mm. and the catch is while this game also has outposts which has been a thing since like assassin's creed 3 was that the first assassin's creed to have outposts out like forts yeah maybe? well they they call them something different in every game but i guess i mean either that or maybe uh revelations had something like that like involved with like the the tower defense that crappy oh tower right defense right thing. that's right i, I forgot that. about that god that game was bad wait that was three wasn't it that had the tower defense no that was revelation was it okay so anyway well, this I, this also has revelation outputs. revelation was a terrible experience that is eternally burned into my brain <laughs> and i did not like that one at all well this also has outposts and if you take down outposts it it, it, it it works the same way as prior games in that you've kind of taken over that area and then you can fast travel to it and all your people show up and it's like a place where you can take resources and they'll be counted across all the resources in the game. But the twist is you can't get ethanol from taking an outpost. And like I said, ethanol gates the entire game. So to get ethanol from taking an outpost, you have to actually give the outpost back. To the bad guys? Yep, to the highwaymen. Huh. You give it back to them, you get ethanol, and then they come back into the camp stronger than they were before. And you could go back and attack it again and get more resources, but obviously it's more challenging. Right. You but, think at a certain point they'd piece this scheme together. Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> but you know what? In order for me to upgrade prosperity as a whole for the first time, I had to give away my first fort. Hmm. I could not find enough ethanol from doing normal missions to get where I needed to go. It's like they basically forced me to, hey, try this new system out. Mm. And I did. And uh, when you go back the second time, it's not that much more difficult. And I have a feeling because the game has become easier over time, I have a feeling that the more that I keep going back, the more I'm going to want to do it. Because it hasn't, it wasn't double the challenge when I went back the second time, but you did get like double the reward. So that's something that needs to be tweaked. The story, um, the story, a lot of it has to do with children. So it's 17 years later, a lot of the people have now had kids and the kids are five, six years old. Some of them are teenagers. And 
it puts you in this awkward position of, hey, there are kids around. So if you've ever been someplace where there's something going down, something bad's happening, or someone's acting like an idiot, the one thing you can always say that'll calm people down is, there's kids around. And that's like that universal message of, you know what, I need to chill out. Well, they use that in this, but the bad guys don't care. In fact, the bad guys in this game use kids as pawns. So you meet them at the beginning, and they're the twins. The twins had a dad who used to rule with an iron fist. And I think that's part of an angle of the story, too, is how things are handed down from one generation to another. And so these twin sisters are basically the, the main antagonists throughout the entire game, and they're ruthless. They don't care about yeah. anything. Is that a microtransaction? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll get to that as well. So the, the twins use kids as leverage to get what they want. They'll kidnap kids and hold guns into their heads or like pull the pin out of a grenade and hand it to a little kid. So in some ways, this game kind of has new territory as far as culturally, I think, using is, children is, as pawns. Yeah. Well, that is, well, I mean, obviously that's a classic tactic, um, but like it is interesting in, in an industry that always seems to shy away from violence against children. Uh, that they would step up to that, especially in this game. Like, this game is not what I would expect. I wouldn't expect it to be taking a lot of risks. No, there's some heady stuff in this game. Like, I, I feel like this game is getting sold short a little bit because it is kind of a, one of those things where it's like, well, we just played a Far Cry, and it was like 40 hours long. And I'm one of those people who just played a Far Cry that was like 40 hours long. But there are, to me, there are enough tweaks in this game to give it its own flavor, but there are enough of the foundation is still there that it's familiar. So I feel like it's something that fans are going to like. Maybe they are a little burnout on Far Cry right now. I don't know. Some are, some aren't. And I also feel like it changes enough to maybe make it appeal or not appeal to new folks. Like, the, the, using the kids as the pawns thing is a little dicey. Like, I felt uncomfortable. Like, there's one scene where you get the kids back from the bad guys, and the animation of the, the adult woman hustling the kids back into the fort gave me chills like whoever did the motion capture for that was a really good actor because you could just see that that is how a mother would be reacting if their kids had just been taken hostage one of them was handed a grenade with the pin pulled out of it and you're just trying to get them to safety as quickly as possible so that struck home for me pretty pretty hardcore um so I like the story. There, there's a bunch of ham-fisted crap in it, and a lot of lines that are that I've laughed at or rolled my eyes at. But overall, I like the plot and I like the premise of it. But you're not Kingdom Hearts skipping yet. No, no, no. I haven't skipped any of the cinemas, and they're not they're not like Kingdom Hearts where they happen every like right. three seconds either. Um, so yeah, I'm I am consuming the plot. <laughs> I guess like which I did not do with Kingdom Hearts. Um, at least not all of it until the end. I did finish Kingdom Hearts 3, by the way. Did you? No. Oh, okay. Well, we'll talk about that another time. But anyway, uh, another big change for this Far Cry is, are things called expeditions. So you saw earlier one of the stations in your homestead that you can unlock is a helicopter. And you may think, oh, the helicopter will just fly me wherever on the map I want. That's not what it's there for. It's for these things called expeditions. And basically what happens is you get in the helicopter, and he takes you to a point where you, and you have to invade and find something that's usually shown by like a, a cloud of smoke or whatever. It's easy to find. But you have to infiltrate, get an item, get to an extraction point, and then wait for the helicopter to show up to get you out. It's a lot like the dark zone in the division, except you're playing against AI. Um, 
and you get big time rewards for that stuff. And the first one, even the very first one, you're seeing it right now. I don't know how you did this, Sam, but this is it. This is this is the very first one that you take part in. So see that big tanker back there? The start of the mission was land on the mountain, then you zip line down to the tanker. You get on the tanker and you have to get the item from the tanker. It's just like a bag full of intel or whatever. And then you have to escape. So you escape off the tanker, you run down to what you're seeing right now, and there's a gun emplacement on the beach. And you have to sit there and basically survive a horde mode while you're waiting for the helicopter to show up. Hmm. Um, the rewards for these are huge, they're fun, they're different. Uh, because they can take you someplace else because you're in a helicopter, it doesn't have to adhere to the level aesthetics that you're used to playing with. It's a nice respite from the rest of the game. And like I said, you get big time rewards for it. So I think that's a very successful addition. I think it's something you're going to end up seeing in every Far Cry going forward. And like I said, most importantly, it does provide a break, a change of pace from the grind of playing a Far Cry game. So I don't know. I guess to sum it up, I'd say it's Far Cry... But maybe, maybe the story's a little more targeted towards adults and less towards, like, the 20, 30-something. Because if you don't care about what it's like to raise a kid or have someone who depends on you all the time, I could see where it might be hard to relate to the story a little bit. Then again, most stories and games are about that now. They are, yeah. Because you're the, seeing the, the, the developers getting stuff. older yeah. and they have kids. So this is what resonates for them. And here you can see, like, this is after you come back from saving the kids for the first time and it's a party they're like oh my gosh we have these people who are helping us the kids are safe blah 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 and you basically just kick back and have a couple brews and then the bad guys show up in the middle of your party so how rude how rude the bad guys in this game by the way announce themselves with fireworks mm -hmm. they never just show up like you see the fireworks in the sky first and then there they are another fury road not worried reference. about stealth all that much a little yeah. fury road on that one that's good <laughs> But I am enjoying this game. Um, apparently, it's going to end here pretty soon. I, I don't want it to end that quickly, which is a shame. But it's been priced at the right price point for a game that lasts 15 hours at 40 bucks. Um, so, I don't know. I'm a, I've played the last five or six Far Cry. I've played all the Far Cries. What am I talking about? I've played them all. And so, if anybody would be burned out, I should probably be someone who's burned out. I am enjoying playing this game. There they are. There's the fireworks. That lets you know the bad guys just showed up. So the reviews for this, holy cow, man. Some people have given it like six and a half, seven. That's way low from based upon what I've played so far. Um, it's not a nine, 9.5, 10 game, but it's easily an eight plus. Um, and I recommend it. At 40 bucks, triple A game, a little shorter. Some people may be happy to play a shorter game instead of having to play through mm -hmm. a 40 or 50 hour experience you actually far, I, far cry 5 i did like far cry 5 but i thought it was a little much it started getting repetitive yeah, yeah. and this game it seems like it's going to wrap up just when you start to kind of get tired of stuff so i don't know i recommend far cry new dawn i'm i'm enjoying it um i've got a little bit farther to go we'll probably talk about it again on the next game phase maybe once max had a chance to play it as well um but i'm having fun with it and i'm enjoying it so can take that for what it's worth and it's time now for our trailer of the week. And it was funny. I, I chose a trailer of the week this week, and I was like, I think people are going to think that we're bought out by EA. <laughs> I started thinking about it. I'm like, man, we've been featuring a lot of EA games for our trailers of the week. And in fact, Anthem has been our trailer of the week several times since it was announced. And unfortunately, here it is again. But 
This isn't just any trailer. Mm. This is a special trailer. You're probably going to have to help me pronounce this. This is a special trailer, a live-action trailer directed by Neil Blomkamp. Is that Blomkamp. right? Blomkamp. Blomkamp. I was close. Um, there has been hype around this trailer generating for weeks and weeks. There was rumors circulating that he was doing it. Uh, then three days ago, they released a teaser trailer. It was like, ah, oh, hallelujah, it's happening. And then yesterday, they actually re released a trailer. Let's roll it. Long, long ago, we were the slaves of the Urgoth. And eventually, after much strife, we broke free. And so we made our walls high. And our convictions strong. No one can survive out there on their own. We found her last night, in the jungle. They said she must have been out there for years. It's not possible. I always knew this day would come. A new beginning. You won't get your son back. You have my word. And yet, new enemies would be forged. A line would be crossed. Things would never return to the way before.
So Matt, that's the kind of marketing budget EA has for mm-hmm. Anthem. Hope it's worth it. That's some high production <laughs> value stuff right there, man. It's weird that they would have shot all that for a trailer. I wonder if there's like a short film in the pipeline. The rumor somewhere. always was just a trailer. That's a lot of work. I know. For Could you trailer. imagine being on that crew and working on all that stuff and then being like, we did this for a three minute video? Yeah. It's crazy. Ladder. When you got that kind of scratch, though. You got paid. Yeah, oh, yeah, you that. got paid. Absolutely. Pretty good. What did, does it make you more interested in the Anthem universe? Seeing no. that, no. But like, it's, <laughs> who cares? Like, it's, but it's, I mean, it's cool. It's yeah. neat. I'd probably like watch that short movie, that yeah. short film. But like, okay, like, it's, it's, it's neat. Way it's to neat. hype up our trailer of the week, Matt. I don't know. It's, it's a neat piece of work, but it's like I, I played the game, and it's not like that. Yeah. Really. Oh, it's definitely not like that. <laughs> definitely not. I did like that they tried to recreate some of the iconic scenes from the tra- like the first trailer. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. The big, Otherwise, the big it, bad dude. And it's the, a little. Bad guy's armor is pretty cool. It's cool to see yeah. it live action. I mean, I assume they hired a bunch of prop makers and cosplayers to kind of put all that together. And it Probably. Looks, it, looks, it looks great. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Misrepresents yeah. the game maybe sure, a little. I, sh- I, I do kind of wish they'd let him make Halo. <laughs> seems, like, seems like he would have done a good job. Yeah. Oh well. Are right, you got questions? I don't have my iPad yeah. tonight. My wife has been out of town the last couple of days on business, and she has the iPad. So we have to work with Matt tonight for our Q and A. Start with W. Matthew. Do you think Apex Legends Titanfall Anthem? No. I think Anthem Titanfall Anthem. <laughs> I, I think um, I. I think they're way different games. They are. I mean, I think he just means in terms of like Sales proximity. And, yeah. Um, no, I think Anthem. Mindshare, all that. I don't. I mean, I know EA is expecting Anthem to be like some kind of crazy Destiny or bigger sort of thing. I just. I don't think they managed to penetrate the mindshare with the uh, with with this thing. I don't. I, I don't hear anyone talking about it. I don't. Yeah, my, I don't have my, people asking me questions yeah, about none it. None of my casual gaming friends who would normally be into stuff like that are asking me about it. Like yeah, it's, me either. It's, it's very, it's oddly quiet for something that's a week out. Yeah, they asked me about Mortal Kombat already. Yeah. Got, <laughs> Funny how that works. I've gotten questions about Mortal Kombat and I got questions about Apex Legends. Really? But like, yeah, none of them mentioned that well, yet. Well, my answer was like, just download it. Yes, yeah, like, free. Like, what are you asking me for? <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, like no one's talking about Anthem in, uh, other than my industry friends. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, but like, I really, I really loved it when I played it. But we'll see. Yeah, we knew, we we that was last week. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna miss it completely because I'm out of town. Oh, right. For you know the whole launch weekend. Right. Um, although maybe that's good. Maybe I miss, I miss, I miss the. <laughs> maybe the, you'll miss like the two days. The, of the servers are like, funky. By the, by the time I get back, everything's gonna be patched. It and, probably and will be. Absolutely. Um. But yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. It, I, I think Anthem. Um, I think there was a way to do Anthem in terms of like scale and expectation, you know, tying in with that Activision conversation, where it would have been fine. Yeah. But I think we're in a, we're in another moment where EA thinks this thing needs to sell 10 million copies, and Disney. I think it might eventually get the 10 million if you let it ride it's not gonna happen while. in the first like three months though i'll tell no. you that much it's not gonna sell like battlefront did no but i think you're in another situation with like where you know battle battlefield 5 sold 7 million copies and we're disappointed yeah it's like well who... i think they said they wanted to sell six four to six million the first quarter that's their mm-hmm. goal 
And I think they might hit that. It's possible. I mean, I don't know. Like this. I like... will say this: the open beta weekend, the one that you didn't get to play in. It seems like most people who played during that weekend really liked the game. Mm-hmm. And luckily, that was the open beta weekend right. instead of the weekend that was private Yeah, VIP. it definitely seems like the open beta was a better yeah, impression. Yeah, better experience, yeah. And, of course, you know, the VIP early access went up uh, two days ago. Yeah. So I think that's, that's if you're a subscriber to Origin, you get to start playing it. I can't believe how many good there. games are coming out right now. It's crazy. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it, man. It's great to have a February where we're not scraping by trying to make shows. Like, it's been awesome this year. See if we can keep it going. Yeah, I don't know. And Nintendo keeps announcing games that's just going to keep rocking all year. I don't know. March (laughs) March and April don't have a ton. Yeah. I've already looked ahead, and I'm like, okay, we're going to have to work for it a little bit the next Mm. couple of months, but we'll make it happen. Um, Majora Tom, do you think we ever see a gaming equivalent of Image Comics, i.e. a publisher who respects the contributions of its game developers where a game can be sold under the developer's name? similar to Kojima, and the developer would get a greater revenue share. Well, I'll tell you what, that's how EA started. Yeah. Like, that was, that was Electronic Arts and Activision early on. Yeah. Like, they were, they, were bro- they, were, they were developers specifically breaking away from Atari, which was, they felt was an abusive company in terms of... And then they, they became and then they what became, they hated. <laughs> you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain, folks. <laughs> I love that line. E, when, when EA started, that was the whole... That's why it's called Electronic Arts. The whole thing was like, it's a group of artists making these things in the name of, of being... I mean... But they and, were too good, and they got too big. It flew too And now too there's close nobody the left there that yeah. was there when it started. That's how it goes. They went off and did things like start 3DO. Yeah. Man. Talk about regrets. <laughs> <laughs> I had a fortune, and I just ruined it, wasted it all. Uh, Gurzilla, when was the last time you picked up a game you'd taken a break from for several months or years, and what was that game? Example, last year I started The Witcher 3 again and finally finished it and loved it. Uh, that's easy for me. Do you want to answer, though? No, I gotta think. Okay. League of Legends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I have a love-hate relationship with League of Legends because I know I should not be playing it. So... <laughs> In my apartment complex, we there are probably 20 people who work at Riot in our apartment complex. And there's a huge, the biggest apartment in our whole building is like a three-bedroom, three-bathroom that's like right down the walkway from our apartment. And like when we walk out our door, they're right by the elevator, so we always see them. So we always see them going in and out. And we always talk. Like after a while, I told them, I'm like, oh, I run a gaming website. I've been in games. So now we're like friends or whatever. And every time I talk to them, they're like, are you playing? Because they know that I have a problem. Like, I should not play League of Legends at all. Like, no, I don't need to do it for coverage. There's nothing I can do with League of Legends that's going to help Sifted or really help me. There's nothing I can do with that game that's going to help anyone but Riot, to be perfectly honest with you. But I, and I'll stop. I'll stop playing it for months and months. And then there's just one day and it'll just happen. I'm like, God, oh, just play a game. And then it just starts all over again. And it's, it's not even that I play it a lot. It's that I always think about wanting to play it. Mm-hmm. And I, like even when I'll have like a game, like a code that just came in, just like for an example, like Far Cry New Dawn. Like if I'm in one of those phases where I'm playing League of Legends, I'll seriously sit there and be like, eh, I think I'd rather play League. Like mm-hmm. it's just this thing that I have with this game. And uh, I just can't ever seem to get past it. So that's my pick. 
Mine would probably be uh, back in 2008 when we staffed massively up for uh, when X-Play went daily. Uh, we like doubled the staff and then we also doubled the website staff. And all of a sudden we had a lot more people who played games. Because mm -hmm. like, one of the reasons I was at that show back in the day was they didn't really have a lot of gamers. They had TV producers. producers. And yeah. you know, I knew enough about production and could pick it up that I was useful in terms of knowing the subject matter, but also because I could do the work. Yeah. And when we expanded, suddenly we had a lot more, you know, it was always like you and me and Adam and Morgan. Like they were all, you know, we play, all played games, but yeah. like you're talking about like, you know, m the majority of the staff didn't have like deep background kind of thing. Yeah. Right? And um, or if you're the hosts, you don't have time to sit around playing games at your desk. Yeah. Um, well, suddenly we had a lot more people from gaming backgrounds and things, and uh, at some point, talking about you know what we like, what we didn't like, and people were like, "Oh, I used to play you know fighting games on Dreamcast." And so I brought in my Dreamcast with all my import fighting games, which I hadn't touched in probably five or six years at that point. Yeah. And we all started playing you know like uh, Ficino and uh, Jose and Mr. Sark and all that. Like we would start, we started playing like Marvel vs. Capcom two and, yeah. and all these like you know old Dreamcast Soul Capcom Caliber. fighters. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And there was a moment where I was like, yeah, fighting games are great. Like, I haven't <laughs> played fighting games in forever because they were kind of dormant for yeah, so long. They did. And, like, yeah. all of a sudden, I was like, yeah, this is really good. And then, like, right after, like, like two weeks later, we got the first, like, like preview build of Street Fighter Four, And... Like, that was it. Like, we, like we, had, we were given talkings to. <laughs> about, like, you guys have been in here all day. Yeah. And I'm like, well, the work's still getting done. Those are the discussions I have yeah. with myself about League yeah. of Legends. I'm just like, Shane, you can't do it. You can't play. So that was probably my favorite, like, <laughs> return to something after years of non-activity. was yeah. probably, like, coming back to fighting games in 2008. And then, of course, like, it took off in the tournament scene. Yeah. And I just got sent to cover a bunch of these things. I got to know those guys. And it was great. But, like, so, yeah, I was, I was probably the biggest, like... I haven't done this in years. Oh, wait, now it's a way of life. Kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I, uh, there's no good that comes out of me playing League of Legends. Mm. Here's uh, Commander Fett 03, which I really hope is not your birth year. Um, well, <laughs> it's possible. Could, it could be. Yeah. Uh, do you think because of the success of Apex Legends and the layoffs at Activision Blizzard, will Activision make Call of Duty Blackout free to play? Which was what Pac's been calling out. To happen for the mm. last like month and a half or whatever. Yes, I think it will happen. Like just the blackout mode. Yeah, yeah. And they have to. It seems like the 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 secret sauce to to I being mean, the breakout BR hit. I mean, they made they just did a free weekend of blackout. Yeah. Like the weekend that Apex Legends comes what's, out. What's the cutoff where you can like do that safely without pissing off the people who paid full price for that mode? Well, play that I, mode? with with. Black Ops I know 4, talks about, it's talk dicier about too, because yeah. there's no campaign. Yeah. So if you have someone who doesn't care about zombies, this guy, hmm. and you bought it for Blackout, you're going to be pissed. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But with the next game coming from Infinity Ward, presumably Modern Warfare 4, which is a little weird because if you remember Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, now this would be Call of Duty Modern Warfare 4. Which would be really weird, which makes me think they're not going to do that at all. But this game is going to have a campaign. And I think that they could get away with doing a free-to-play Battle Royale mode with that. But when you're charging people for it, and it's literally like half of the, or at least a third of the game, that's tough. Like, mm -hmm. I, feel, I feel like you have to at least wait a year. So maybe the day that Modern Warfare 4, or whatever it's called, launches, Blackout goes free-to-play. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the earliest you can do it and get away with it.
Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Lestived asks, how can we make you and Matt play classic games like Thief the Dark Project? Uh, you can't make me do that. <laughs> but you could make Shane do that by paying $100 on Patreon. That's right. Yeah, you can, actually. So, I don't know if you guys have seen... Some of the uh, new tiers and goals I worked on with you guys, some of them I came up on my own, and some of them were a mashup of your ideas and my ideas. And one of the new tiers is You Own Me. Mm -hmm. And so it used to be Beat Shane, where you and I would play head-to-head -head for an hour. But the new tier, you can do whatever you want with me for an hour. You call the shots. You can, you can play <laughs> with me cooperatively. You can play against me. We can just chat. You can pick my brain on how to launch a product, anything. You basically, if you pay 100 bucks a month, you get an hour of my time that month to do whatever you want, within reason, obviously. Um, so that's a big change. So if you want to see me play games that you don't think I'll ever play, you can do it. You get a bunch of rich dudes together and line up a bunch of them no. and just make you play Bloodborne for, <laughs> forever. But that's the truth. Like, if one of you guys wants to see me play Bloodborne for an hour, I'll play it. Whatever you want me to do. It's, it's solid, wholesome, frustrating entertainment. It's called You Own Me. So, there you go. Joaquim Dragon, have you ever played an anime licensed game and loved it, excluding Dragon Ball Fighters? I like a lot of old Gundam games. Um, I played Gundam. What was, what was loved it though is the hard part for me. Loved. I mean, I played Dynasty Warriors Gundam, the first Dynasty Warriors Gundam, for seventy hours, and I don't know why. <laughs> I just, I just, I played that thing to full hundred percent completion, and like, I never got sick of it. And I also really love the old Federation versus Zeon games. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, I, bought, I had to buy a replacement of Federation versus Xeon because my cat threw up on it once. That's how much I cared about that game. Is I, <laughs> I actually went out and replaced it. The cat because the cat threw on up it. on it. I, uh, I don't think there has ever been an anime-based game that I loved. There's some that I've liked. Like some of the early DBZ fighting games I liked. But now that's all been like mm -hmm. worn into the dirt. Uh, I liked the Ghost in the Shell PS1 game a lot. Which was not I don't really. Think I remember that you were you were entirely in the uh, the Fuchikoma tanks. Huh. It was just it was like a skatey. It was almost armored Cory, and like you could go up on the walls and on the ceiling and like swing yeah, around. I don't remember it. It was good. It was like shockingly good. It didn't have a lot to do with Ghost in the Shell in terms of like the characters, but like it focused on the those you know six legged tank things, and it was actually pretty solid for the. I'll time. say this though, like if they made a good Akira game. Yeah, I'm there. Like, yeah, they, for whatever reason, they're making what be, games so. out of the anime and manga that I don't care about. Like, the stuff that I do like, they're just... I think there was an Akira game at one there point. There was an Akira game, I think, on, like, any on Famicom or yeah. something like that. But um, I think there was one in development for GBA. That's I may so, even have, so like, funny. a ROM oh, of that. Oh, uh, Astro Boy Omega Factor for the GBA. Oh, yeah, yeah, was that was great. good. That was that good. Was a great, yeah. That was a treasure game. That was great. Yeah. And it, what is... Wait, did treasure go under? No, Treasure's still around. What are they making? Nothing. It's like one dude now. But oh, they still, really? They still exist. They, they, I, they're just sort of dormant. I never even thought about it. What happened to Treasure? Just sort of slowly collapsed. That's like a, a good idea for some YouTuber. What happened to Treasure? Yeah. I don't know. One of uh, you guys. You make it. Mm. We'll curate it. Any other questions? Uh, well, Jay Reed Vic 7 
has repeatedly asked, how concerned, if at all, are you guys about the general state of console gaming heading into the next generation? From my perspective, more power hasn't been what's held back most games this generation. But rather, the increasing, that increasingly the risks and creativity required to make good and great games is being stifled to accommodate business considerations. Yeah, it's all about money. Why would that go down, not up, with more power and seemingly higher costs? I'm not sure I understand the question. Um, it's worded. Well, well, well new, I think he's basically saying, will new systems with more power actually solve anything or just make that kind of th that expectation problem worse? Well, Matt just talked about a game that he played on <laughs> Xbox One X that did not run great. So if that's possible, yeah, we're always gonna, they're always going to push the boundary. They're never gonna say, hey, let's make this engine that will run at 500 frames per second on this hardware. They're always gonna try to squeeze as much as they can out of it and try to find mm -hmm. that happy balance between fidelity and how well it runs. Same reason you're never gonna see the majority of games on a system target 60 frames per second. Right. It's always gonna be 30 someone's, with all the bells and whistles enabled. Yeah, someone's gonna do it. And I, I'm okay with that. As long as some games that need high frame rates concentrate yeah. on that, I, I'm not like a 60 frames per second snob. Like I'm okay with 30 frames per second as long as it's Steady. solid. Yeah. yeah, it has to be. Steady 30 is fine by me. But I they're I always going to push the hardware. Yeah. Always, they're always going to do it. And I prefer it that way. You need people pushing the boundaries to see what's possible. And some studios will do it, some won't. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a pretty good mix right now as far as which ones do and which ones don't. Yeah, I mean, the new systems are coming because, I mean, you are starting to see the frayed edges on yeah. some of these projects. Sure, yeah. Well, it's, a lot of it, too, is that it's not new anymore. We're... We're used to this level of f fidelity and visuals at this point, yeah. so um, a lot of it is perception, really. And we'll see if it's really the changeover that other system launches and generational shifts have been. Like that's going to be the challenge, you know, like because it feels like the way that's they're moving. And challenge. we'll see. The guy who just got made head of Sony uh, Interactive Entertainment is not a fan of backwards compatibility or crossplay. Uh, so it feels like we might end up taking steps backwards with that. Well, they're picking um, and choosing who they work with on that already. Yeah, so, but like. Um, it seems to me like the, the moving forward, you know, we've, you know, and Pactor's talked about it too, the idea of the cell phone model where you're buying a better, bigger thing with, you know, with a new number at the end of it, but it still plays the same stuff yeah. as the thing you are, you know, the previous one. Um, and so the idea of like, the idea of like, okay, so the PlayStation 5 comes out and you buy a PlayStation 5, you can play stuff that looks great, Ghost of Tsushima looks amazing, but the people who still own the PlayStation 4 have not been left in the dust. You know, yeah. they can still play stuff, it's just not gonna look as good. Like, and you sort of slowly make that shift. You, you sort of entice people into moving up there as, the t as a couple of years <clears> go <throat> by and suddenly you start making games like, okay, well this one's not gonna run on PS4 because it has to be, you know, optimized for PS5 or whatever, and that's how you slowly Which is get all bull crap. Of course it is. <laughs> it's gonna be all, I think it's gonna be a hard sell with PlayStation 5 and Xbox 2. It just, it either it's gonna they're gonna be crazy expensive and they're gonna blow people away, mm. or they're gonna be moderately priced and people are gonna be like, eh. eh, yeah. It's one or the other. You you can't have both. Right. You just can't. So, which would you prefer? Would you rather spend six or seven hundred dollars on a console and know that it's actually a generational leap, or would you rather spend the typical three to four hundred dollars on a console and be squinting your eyes to see the difference between that and the console you last had? And I think it's going to be a problem. Like, I think the numbers that we've seen for console launches in the past, you're going to have to forget about those. I don't think we're ever going to see launches like that again. I think, I think you're definitely looking at a paradigm shift in, in a way that we have never seen 
in this part of the industry, you know, in this in this aspect of the industry. I yeah, say. I mean, there's a reason why all these guys are figuring out streaming now because they know what I just said is going to come true. It's going to be harder and harder to demonstrate why this new piece of. I mean, you're seeing it with the X. The X is not flying off store shelves. And the reason why is because I can see it. I come here and look at games on mass TV and I'm like, that looks a lot better than that game looks on my television. Most people can't see it and you can't convince them of it. And they, hell, the, the sales on the Switch would indicate that a lot of people don't care. Don't care. Yeah, so it's a Power has never sell. won a generation. Never. Ever. Nope. Like I mean, I guess you could argue the PS4 was more powerful than Xbox One. Yeah, but I think the PS4's advantage was That's that not why it won. It though. wasn't, you know, it wasn't draconian and it wasn't, yeah. it, it, it worked better. It had the better exclusives. I mean, it and had like, the look, perfect with, storm. With the hard, and with the hardcore audience, which is where a lot of the word of mouth comes and spreads out from there. Yeah. Like, X, you know, Microsoft blew it. Yep. They blew it in a way that had never been blown before. <laughs> that I can't even fathom that they would and do. And immediately but... after, uh, Sony just came in and mic dropped them, yeah. and that was the end of it. Like, yeah. it was, I've never, you know, it's... It I won't be that seen... easy this time, I don't think, though. That's the biggest piece of owning at an E3 press conference duel since... Sega announced the Saturn, and Sony just got up and said two hundred ninety nine dollars. Yeah, like, it, it was, I mean, Sony's good at that. Yeah. <laughs> when when they got when Sony's on, they're on. But, but when Sony Sony, Sony Sony turns an arrogant Sony, they 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 go to cyber world. Sony is the master of taking advantage of others' mistakes. Yes. But they're certainly but not averse to think, making their own. I think it's going to be tougher this time. I think no, Microsoft I think so. won't make a stupid mistake. And I think Microsoft, to some degree, is sitting back and seeing what Sony does. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody wants to be the first one in the pool. It has the X out already. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it really is like Xbox 2. The leap from Xbox One to Xbox One X, I guarantee you, is way bigger than the jump from Xbox One X is going to be to Xbox Mm 2. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but I think one thing I do know is that I don't think any consoles are going to sell out of the gate like they have in the past. It's just not mm-hmm. going to happen. And you may even get, like with Xbox, you may get an opportunity to not even have to buy a console yeah. at all. I still just continue to, I mean, I know the power thing is, is an issue because you're starting to hit the point where, like, A, there's, these games are starting to struggle on even the X, and, um, you know, PlayStation Pro versions are showing marked, you know, like even like Kingdom Hearts was, you know, the, the X1 ran better. Yeah. Unless you force the 1080p thing on PlayStation yep. 4, which at least you can do on PlayStation 4. You can't do that on the X. Really? But, um, you yeah, can't the, play in 1080p if you there's want no to There's no way to on force, X. as far as I can tell, there's no way to force an, a resolution wow. choice Interesting. on the Xbox huh. One. Um, but like you Xbox look, One X, you mean? Either. Oh. Uh, the but looking at, um, I mean, the Xbox One is not really the vanilla is not trying to do a 4K. Yeah, it's, um, it's not even really trying to do 1080p most yeah. of the time. Uh, the the thing about is like you look at the sales of the PlayStation 4 and it's like, do you need a PlayStation 5 yet? I would argue you can ride that thing for another couple of years. Oh, easily. Yeah. I mean, they're gonna. We're not gonna see the next console till 2020. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean. It's going to be a tough sell to the average consumer, man. Yeah. Really tough. And I don't think anybody wants to be the first penguin on that. And and somebody asked Pac about, actually a really good question, actually, about whether because Nintendo is rooted in handhelds, if it has an advantage going forward. And Pac says no. I disagree with him. I absolutely think it has an advantage because a handheld is something you have to buy. And 
it's like you can't i guess you could stream on the go i mean yeah it's hard to stream games hardwired without them stuttering and being unplayable would i stream a game with my cell phone on 4g no i mean not like i mean i would stuff like that is like for like emergencies. 5g still two years away at like least because well because like streaming games and stuff like that is still a um you know it's an entertainment thing and like people have a higher standard for that to some degree in terms of reliability i mean i still see people you know i have an app that like where people can stream like police activity if there's a crime yeah. in the neighborhood <laughs> yeah. but i don't expect that to be like well the resolution's kind of low dude like, <laughs> yeah there we go um, I mean, hell, when Pokemon Go was he- first came out, was huge. There were I saw people streaming from a laptop in a in the yeah, park. with their little hotspots. Yeah, it was <laughs> crazy. Um, but my point is, yeah. is that if you want to play Nintendo's games, you're gonna have to play them on their hardware. So you can't play it on a cell phone yeah. unless they make a huge change, which they probably should. So you're gonna have to buy Nintendo's hardware to play its games. If it makes a handheld, absolutely, it gives Nintendo an advantage. Absolutely, going forward. Mm-hmm. It makes you have to buy the hardware, which with the other guys, probably not going to be the case. Anything else? No, not really. All right. We're going to put the cap on Game Phase 157. So stay tuned to our Twitter feed, at Sifted Games, and we'll keep you abreast of what's happening for the show for next week. If it works out that we can't coordinate things with Sam and Matt, I will do something. I'll do a grind. Maybe I'll do a guy or something. Uh, to make up for the lack of game face for next week. But stay tuned. We'll try to make it work if we can. Um, I want to thank the people who tried to get on the stream last night. I tried to stream Far Cry New Dawn. And once again, Streamlabs OBS just completely crapped the bed. Hmm. Like five frames per second. The archive file that I that I recorded on my PC, the same. I don't know what's going on with that program. I need to find something else. But anyway, I apologize to those of you who joined the stream or like what's going on. Um, I tried to reload the stream a couple times. The second time, it got to like eight frames per second or something. I, I don't know what's going on. Every time I open that program, it does something different. But I'm going to get it sorted before we do another stream, and maybe it will be tomorrow. So keep an eye on your notifications. Keep an eye on our Twitter account. Maybe I'll try to jump in with some Far Cry tomorrow or something else. Uh, folks watching on YouTube, folks listening on iTunes, help us out. You can subscribe for free via Twitch Prime. You can give us a free $2.50 every month. The instructions are below. If you're on iTunes, go to Sifted. The instructions are everywhere. Um, and we would appreciate it very much. But we'd appreciate even more if you guys would be gracious enough to actually kick into our Patreon at patreon.com sifted. That's what really matters. The Twitch Prime money, we appreciate it, but it's very fluid. One month, it's one amount. One a month, it's another amount. It's hard to count on. The one thing we can count on is our Patreon. So, even a dollar a month could make a huge difference for us. If all you guys gave us a dollar a month, we could really do some amazing things. So thanks for considering it. We really appreciate it. Thanks to everybody on the stream. Thanks for everyone hanging out with us on a Friday night. Game Feeds is up and out.